Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, the returning, at least for now, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV shows, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, and joining me on this day, that hopefully I make it through the whole show, sitting right beside me here is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, today? I have to say, Chris did a fine job when Aww. you were gone, but she isn't you. That's very true. So it's great to be sitting next to you, and welcome back, and I hope you feel good. Well, thank you so much. I do feel pretty good now, whether or not my cough will go along with it or not, but I feel good sitting right beside, of course, who was filling in for me and did such a great job. Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? Thanks. I'm great. I'm glad to be back over here so I can be a weirdo again. That was a that was a lot of pressure. <laughs> that all over here, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. you got to like watch yourself a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Uh, sitting over there, monitoring you guys in the live chat, joining yeah. you in fun discussion, Ray Ora is here. Ray, how you doing? You know, shout out to Irene Jobson, and I believe it was Mr. 47, because we played that Ninja Turtles game. Hell yeah. We had all four turtles, and the game is super fun. I, I suggest everyone play it. It's just, a, it's just a fun game. It's really easy. Pick up and play. Yeah. And uh, running the show today, as always, producer Jonathan Boyko. Jonathan, good to have you here, my friend. Thank you. Never let him see you sweat. You guys have no idea how onto the wire I made this show run. <laughs> well, there was a big, there was a, like a, what, a jackknife truck yeah, on the highway? Yeah, two lanes on the 60. It was not fun. And it wasn't my fault. It was not <laughs> and, and, fault. And oddly enough, you didn't get caught in no. it. No. Which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. And in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, to get a live comment or question on, number one, you've got to be watching live. But then when we get to the end of our main topics, we will announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That will be your time to fire in a comment, question, thought, or opinion. But be quick because we only leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. If you guys need your audio-only version of The John Campia Show, good news, there is a podcast version simply called The John Campia Show Podcast. Just go on to your favorite podcasting app of choice and search for it and subscribe to it today. Also, there is a secondary podcast feed just for Mailbag, so go ahead and subscribe to that one as well. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get on to an off-the-top, shall we? And that off-the-top is this. You know, right now, there are two, for the first time ever, there are two premium Disney Plus shows that are running at the same time. They, they drop at the same time at every week, and that's Obi-Wan and Ms. Marvel. And if you'd asked me a year ago, John, which would be the better of the two shows, I easily would have said, well, obviously, it's going to be Obi-Wan, but it's not. Ms. <laughs> Marvel is... I mean, Ms. Marvel has come out of nowhere to surprise me and delight me and, and, and just fill my heart with joy. Oh, my God. There was a scene last week where the dad, they're talking about the older brother's goth days where wearing spike bracelets, working at Hot Topic. And then the dad sitting there at the table talking about this as well. This is why we came to America. So our children could be whatever they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I got weepy eyed. <laughs> I got weepy. Eyed. My grandfather, you know, my, my grandfather, Giovanni, who I'm named after, who died last year. Um, I remember two years ago that with, with Anne, we were visiting Canada two and a half, three years ago, just before the pandemic. And my grandfather telling the story again about how he came from Calabria. He came from Italy. He had to leave his children and his wife behind as he came over to Canada to, to establish, because there wasn't enough work where they were from to establish something there, get a job, get a home, 
then went back, got his family, came over with my, my grandfather Giovanni, came over with his family and his brothers, Carlo, Vincenzo, Romolo, and Sagarlo. And they all came over with their families and the whole Italian tribe came over to give a better chance for a better life for his children and his children's children. And I'm sitting there watching this as the dads tell that story and I wanted to weep. I mean, it was so beautiful. Anyway, I'm fucking loving this show. I love Miss <laughs> Marvel so much. Anyway, you shouldn't be surprised though to find out that the numbers have just come out for the ratings on Ms. Marvel. And they are officially, by far, the lowest rated debut for a Marvel show. So basically the numbers broke down to something like this. WandaVision debuted with something like 1.6 million, I think something like that. Ms. Marvel came with about half of that, just around, just, just, just under 800,000. Now, that actually is not surprising, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you two reasons why it shouldn't be considered surprising. Number one, this is by far the newest Marvel character that they've tried to put on screen so mm. far, right? Like, not all characters are as old as Captain America and stuff like that, but Ms. Marvel is truly a relatively new entry into the comic book pages. Even though Ms. Marvel has some followers, it is by far the lesser known, not to mention... When you look at the commercials for it, it really does look like a, a, it almost looks like a Nickelodeon show in a way, like maybe the best Nickelodeon show of all time. But when you look at the trailers and the stylings of it, so it doesn't really look like it has that type of an appeal. But number two, and this is probably the most important, we mentioned that this show airs and it drops at the exact same time as another little property called Star Wars. And that is, of course, Obi-Wan. And... You know, I remember we talked off camera back then. It's like, well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to do ratings numbers-wise for Ms. Marvel. But clearly that had a big, big impact as well. Here's what I'm curious about, guys. What I'm curious about is, what is week two going to look like? Because what I believe is, <coughs> pardon me, I believe we're going to see the same pattern that we saw for WandaVision. I think we're going to see a week over week, if it maintains the quality that it has. And we don't know that it will. But if Ms. Marvel is able to maintain that quality, I think we're going to see a week after week that audience is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. So I'm going to be very curious to see the week two numbers, but not terribly surprised to see it's the lowest of the bunch so far. Rob, you saw that. Are you surprised by that? And what do you attribute it to? No, I mean, look, like you said, the show, I think, is a delightful show. You know, it's really well done. We've always talked about how Marvel has tried different their hands at different genres. This is the teen girl, John Hughes-esque, call it what you want. But that's what I think the the appeal, it's it's a it's a story, it's a show with a protagonist that has a teenage girl at its center. You know, Marvel fans, if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, is it going to be the first thing that you tune into? I mean, the same thing would be true of, of like Clueless. You know, when Clueless came out, I didn't initially run out to the theater to see it only because I think when it came out, I was in my I don't know, late 20s or 30s or something. I'm like, it just, the, the subject matter wasn't the, the first thing that appealed to me. And I don't think, I think this is going to be the show that older audiences are going to come to discover because it's not at the top of their viewing list. I'll be curious to see six months from now where this is in terms of their viewership because if the show is great and entertaining it's gonna be one of those things where i'm not telling my friends i'm gonna watch this but i watched it and i loved it i mean and that's the thing i think that we, we live in a world now where i think a lot of people delineate their entertainment too much 
you know, I think a lot of people like you, you dipped into this and you were immediately captivated by it. I've heard friends of mine, one in particular, who uh, a Pakistani Muslim said this show has the best representation he's ever seen of his own Muslim family portrayed in any media ever. And I haven't seen a lot of those takes, but he's somebody you would know. And I'm like, that's fascinating that they've not only is this a good show, but they've really taken the time to portray a family kind of like Kim's convenience, the way you right, yeah. And they've really leaned into that. And I think you can tell, I mean, I don't know how authentic it is. It feels authentic to me. And so I think there's a lot in this show that's that's there's a lot to like. And I think a lot of people haven't discovered it yet. And I think they will. By the way, they have to make a spinoff show of the Illuminantes. I love the Illuminantes. Uh, the Illuminantes are the best. The Illuminantes. Uh, what have you been thinking about the show? Because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about mm -hmm. like since episode two. What do you think about the show? And what do you attribute to the fact that it has significantly the lowest rated numbers so far, at least for its debut episode? I love this show. I love it so much. And I love the kind of comparison here to Clueless because of things like the Illuminantes. I think it has the potential to be a big zeitgeist kind of show. Yep. This has so much room to have lovely killer lines like you're a virgin who can't drive. I'm waiting <laughs> for these moments. I think part of the problem here is one, it did get review bombed. And if you do pay attention to that kind of thing, maybe that also turns you off from this. Oh, it's getting really bad reviews. I'm not into this kind of show already. This looks more like to all the boys I've ever loved than Marvel show. I'm going to pass on this. That could be part of it. The other potential problem here, though, too, is a lot of these Marvel shows have not been sticking the landing. True. We've been yeah. really, really fizzling out over mm -hmm. here, right? We started strong and now it's been a little more hit and miss. And especially when you hear those limited episodes, it's been really rushed storylines at the end, right? Where it's and eh, now we're done. So people might just be passing on this. I don't know that character and Marvel shows haven't been really delivering for me. I'm going to go watch Obi-Wan, which is a damn shame because this is so much better. It's very different. It's very, very different. But for me, this is the show that I'm watching at midnight. I'm watching Obi-Wan in the morning when I'm grumpy. So you raise a really, really good point, too, because I, I mentioned like, hey, it's been great so far, but who knows if it's going to. Because even I, who have been absolutely loving this show, mm -hmm. even I have a good, healthy dose of pessimism in me because, mm -hmm. like, listen, obviously, WandaVision is the exception. WandaVision was amazing from frame one to the final frame. That show just, it killed it. It stuck the landing. But none of the Marvel shows have replicated that. You know, some have been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Some have been pretty good. But none of them have been able to replicate that, whether it's Falcon and Winter Soldier or, or Loki or, you know, um, Hawkeye, which I didn't even like all that much. Moon Knight had flashes of brilliance in it and, and then moments that it really didn't. So even I am a little bit pessimistic to see how, how it goes. And they have just not been able to bring that level of quality that consistency in their mm -hmm. quality that they have in their mcu film wise to hear so it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes anyway guys the question is for you what do you think about this number one what have you been thinking about ms marvel overall i, I think it's the best thing they've put on disney plus since wandavision but that's only after two episodes let's see if six landing and why do you think what do you attribute to the fact that it has by far the lowest ratings at least for a debut episode so far whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, and before we get into our main topics here today, we want to thank one of the brand new sponsors of the John Campia Show that has honestly delivered me my best night's sleep I have had in decades, the good folks over at Helix. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, 
Helix Sleep. Guys, let me tell you, just a couple of days ago, Ann and I received our Helix mattress, and it is the best mattress we have ever slept on in our entire lives. We had like this $3,000 specialized mattress that we got like five, six years ago, and we liked it very much, but this one completely outdoes it. It's night and day. And you can get matched with your perfect mattress too. See, Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just like a minute to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. I hopped online, took the Helix quiz, and Anna and I were matched with the perfect mattress for us. And it is so easy to set up. Simply take it out of the box, get it positioned on your mattress, take off the plastic, and then give it an hour to to breathe to reach its full size, and you will not believe how comfortable this thing is. All you got to do is go to helixsleep.com slash campia. Take their 60-second sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And it's risk-free. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And here's the best part. Helix is offering up to $200 off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com com slash campia and a big thanks to our friends at helix sleep for sponsoring this episode of the john campus show guys I, I i cannot emphasize this enough it is the most comfortable sleep i've ever had it was, <laughs> it was it's just been amazing and i'm very very happy about it all right guys with that down let's now move into our main topics here today shall we and how do we select our main topics in the john campus show what's well, really rather easy you see you guys come up with them whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show. Just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Vincent R. Hey, everyone. Hope John is back and feeling better. One of those things is true. <laughs> I know John is a big fan of Guy Ritchie, so I was hoping to hear his and everyone's thoughts on the confirmation that he'll be directing another live-action Disney film. But this time, it's Hercules. Apparently, it's going to be a live-action version of the animated film, but I haven't heard if it's going to be a musical or not. Is Guy the right guy to do it? What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And listen, if you guys have been watching me for any period of time, you know that Guy Ritchie is actually one of my favorite directors. I mean, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch is in my top 20 favorite films of all time. I can watch that every year <laughs> and laugh just as hard every single time. The Germans, uh, with, without <laughs> exception, it's absolutely fantastic. But it was really curious when they came in and announced that they were doing a live-action Aladdin movie. And they said it was going to be directed by Guy Ritchie. And even I, big Guy Ritchie fan, I was like, ah, uh, is that really the right direction to go? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. Because I love that live action Aladdin. I was so pleasantly surprised by Mina Massoud, uh, Will Smith. Dude, Will Smith did such a great job of playing the spirit of the genie <laughs> without ever trying to do a Robin Williams impersonation which was going to be key. And he, he took that genie. There were a couple of moments he did a great homage to Robin Williams, but he did a great job of taking that and making his own. And a lot of that goes back to the director. Couldn't believe what he did. 
whether or not there's going to be an Aladdin 2, which it looked like a sure thing for a while, and now with recent events, who knows? But it sounds like they're moving forward with him on another live-action adaptation anyway. He's going to do a live-action Hercules movie being produced by the Russo brothers. This comes to us from the good folks over at Variety who wrote the following. Guy Ritchie, who directed Disney's Aladdin in 2019, is set to direct the upcoming live-action adaptation of the 1997 film Hercules. Variety has confirmed. As Variety previously reported, Avengers Endgame directors Joe and Anthony Russo's Agbo is producing the film being developed by Disney, which hired action specialist David Callahan to write the first draft. Agbo is currently in the process of hiring additional writers. Okay, so the first question that I heard a lot of people bring up online was, if it's an adaptation of the 97, will it be musical? And I heard some people say, well, no, no, they'll probably obviously not do this one musical. I'm like, well, wait a minute, time out. Did you not watch Aladdin? I mean, they pretty much did it <clears throat> as a musical. So I, while it is completely possible they may decide to go non-musical route in this, totally possible, I honestly would be a little surprised if that's the case. I think they're probably going to keep the same musical numbers. I think they're going to do what they did in Aladdin, which is introduce one or two original songs as well. And by the way, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but the one that Naomi Scott sings, the original one mm -hmm. about, you know, I, will, I won't stay quiet, blah, blah, blah. That song rocked. I mean, that song was incredible. So if they can introduce a new original or two into this as well, I think that's great. So listen, again, if Aladdin never happened, and they announced today that Guy Ritchie was directing a live-action adaptation about, you know, well, it's like, what, is Hades going to be Bricktop? I mean, I, I mean I'm like, what? I, I would be, like, completely confounded. But having seen Aladdin and what he did with that, that's pretty great. Chris, you hear about this. What do you think about the idea of a Guy Ritchie directing Hercules? And here's another question. Mm -hmm. Do you think this could be a replacement for Aladdin 2? Do you think that maybe they thought, Ooh. you know, we we're going to do Aladdin 2, we're, we're going to put that on the back burner for a while. That's but a let's point. start with your general impression of this. What do you think about him directing a Hercules? Well, he did a great job on Aladdin, which I was in the same camp as you of just, really? Yeah, we're going to take a rock and roller approach to uh, doing Aladdin? Okay, <laughs> okay. But it worked. It worked really well. I loved it. But in a movie. way, you're not wrong. You're right. It's You're not still, wrong. It still had a lot of those elements, just, you know, a little less violence, a little less yes. C words <laughs> and such. Um, I think he's great for this. And I love the 1997 animated film. No one should be surprised by this. I adore this film. It better be a musical adaptation because it has some of the best songs in Disney's whole catalog. Don't say I'm in love. Oh, I won't say I'm in love. That song is so good. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, and the muses, too, doing the great chorus role for the narration. I think you have to have music in this. So... I definitely think it'll be that. I think maybe they are doing a little bait and switch here, though, with the Aladdin project. Because, I mean, we can't we can't deny how well that film did, right? It was Will Smith's highest grossing film. Join the Billion ever. Dollar Club. Exactly. But how do you address it then? Do you recast him? Because he was obviously part of that movie magic. Do you just kind of shelve this for a while while people forget about what happened and then he comes back for a triumphant return as the genie? Maybe you put a little palate cleanser in there like like Hercules, who can go the distance. <laughs> Rob, you hear about this. Number one, the idea of doing a live action adaptation of that 97 Hercules film is interesting in and of itself. Yes. Adding Guy Ritchie, also very, very interesting. What do you make of this? Well, you know, like you said, John, Guy Ritchie is a great director. 
I mean, I love what he does with the camera. I love what he does with character. And the thing is, you know, great directors can tell, they can work in any genre, I think. And they can tell great stories. If you look at what Guy Ritchie did with the Sherlock Holmes movies, for instance, there, there's a lot of, a, a lo- those are those are characters come from literary canon. I really like his Sherlock Holmes Really movies. good, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, and there's a lot of wit and verve to them. So if you look at Guy Ritchie's work, there is kind of a, the spirit of, Robin Williams brought that spirit of anarchy to the genie, you know, the way. That's a great description. And I think that that while Will Smith wasn't doing, as you pointed out astutely, that he wasn't copying Robin Williams, there was a sensibility there. I, it seems weird to say that I think Guy Ritchie gets. Like, I remember when you and I went and saw The Gentleman, you know. I, oh, I love that movie. I, I loved it. I, but but he, he has such a great way of, he doesn't just have great scripts and he doesn't just direct actors well. He uses cinema, the language of cinema, to create moments, whether they're funny, ironic. And I think somebody, somebody who might, you know, not a lot of studios would be like, yeah, let's get Guy Ritchie to do Aladdin. Somebody, <laughs> and I'm not saying it was Kevin Feige, but somebody can make that leap. The same way Kevin Feige made the leap for James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy. Somebody was able to see that, and that leap worked. And I'm thinking, oh, any, any, any big broad you know historical animation character i mean i wouldn't be surprised if somebody said let's redo tarzan animated bringing guy Ritchie." but i think a hercules movie with maybe other greek gods and everything that goes on in those times that'd be awesome i mean i to me it sounds great i'm excited i want to see it i really liked what he did with aladdin and i think what is not to love what's but i do think they might be doing this to replace aladdin a lot no aladdin 2 for at least the near future but hey why waste what Guy Ritchie did? He made a billion-dollar movie. Let's get him to do something else. This is the perfect follow-up for that movie. And who wants to do two Aladdin movies in a row anyway? I, I would love to see that. But but I wonder if it's an issue of replacing it or if this is just a reshuffling. I think it's a reshuffling. Yeah, yeah because you raised a really good point, Christine. You mentioned, like, look, you, you cannot now recast the Will Smith role. No. It, it, that, like you, and that's, I don't think you should, and, frankly. And you probably shouldn't either, right? but is now the time to go into production on that. I think this is probably, my guess is, Hercules was probably something they had on their roadmap. Yeah. But, you know, Aladdin made a billion dollars. Let's get that thing going before Mina Masoud starts looking like his dad or something like that. <laughs> so let's do that. But this is probably, I'm, I'm guessing, pure speculation here, that this is just a swap. They're like, okay, you know what? Let's put off Aladdin 2 for a couple of years. Let all that other noise die down, and then let's get back into that. And in the meantime, let's do Hercules. I don't know, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Guy Ritchie is directing a live-action adaptation of the 1997 Hercules animated film. Do you like the idea? Do you like the choice of directors? Do you think this was maybe a swap with Aladdin 2? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic... Number two, Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Rocky. Hey, John and crew, hope everyone's doing well. Top Gun Maverick just made $44 million in its fourth weekend. That is the second biggest fourth weekend of all time, below Avatar and above Force Awakens and Black Panther. The legs on this movie are seriously insane. Industry analysts are now uh, starting to predict a domestic finish above $600 million. There are only 11 movies in the history of Hollywood that gross 600 mil plus, of which nine of them opened uh, 
with 200 million, the other two being Titanic and Avatar, Cameron, the king of legs, and Top Gun opened with only 126 mil, 106 mil, three day, four day. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Rocky. All right, look, a year and a half ago, I came back from uh, CinemaCon. Me and Aaron came back from CinemaCon and told you guys, hold on to your butts. We just saw the first 18 minutes of Top Gun that's coming out next year. And it's incredible. It's really, really good. I'm shocked. Because up until that point, I had been saying, you guys know, I'd been saying up until that point, year and a half ago, uh, this is too little too late doing this Top Gun movie. It's, it's going to be a blip on the pop cultural radar, blah, 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 blah. Like, I was pretty pessimistic about it. And then they showed us those first 18 minutes. I'm like, oh. So then at this year's CinemaCon, they showed us the whole damn thing. And we were like, damn, this is a fun time at the movies. Came out very, I think it was the biggest opening weekend for any Tom Cruise movie in history. Uh -huh. And my God, the legs. The legs on this thing is crazy. Now, while it is not the top spot at the box office, not even in the top two, top three, it just had a 15% drop week over week, which is incredible for, for this late in the game. But get this, this is an obscure number that we've probably never mentioned before, but it is significant. In the history of cinema, in week four, only one movie in history has ever made more money than this movie. Think about that. And I can't remember the last time that the box office report showed three movies making over $40 million. Obviously, Jurassic World, <clears throat> Lightyear, and of course, Top Gun. I can't remember the last time we had three movies in the top three spots that all made over $40 million. So that's pretty good too. But the story right now is Top Gun. This comes to us from the folks over at CBR who wrote the following. According to box office analyst Gitesh uh, Padia on Twitter, Top Gun Maverick earned $44 million at the domestic box office in its fourth weekend in theaters. Only three other movies in box office history have earned more than $40 million in their fourth weekends in theaters, including Avatar with $50.3 million, Star Wars The Force Awakens at $42.4 million, and Marvel Studios' Black Panther at $40.8 million. These earnings also make Top Gun Maverick the second highest earning fourth weekend in theaters of all time, just behind 2010's Avatar. Overall, Maverick boasts that a domestic box office total cum of $466.2 million. That is, of course, domestically, it is closing in on $900 million worldwide right now for this movie, which two years ago, I would have said, never, no way. A year and a half ago, I would have said, maybe. And then after seeing it, of course, I'm like, I didn't quite think it would get to a billion. I said, it has a chance it could get close, but it's, it's going to cross the billion dollar mark now here again. Look, again, let's wrap our heads around this. No Star Wars movie has ever made over $44 million in its fourth weekend. No Marvel movie, not Infinity War, not Endgame, not Civil War, not Spider-Man, not Doctor Strange, nothing has ever made $44 million in its fourth weekend. Tom Cruise just did with a 36-year-old franchise. It, with a movie that doesn't even tell us who the enemy is. Which is a smart move. Which was a very it's smart move. now. Absolutely smart move on its part. This is cinematic history that's just been made. And look, I'm not going to tell you Top Gun deserves a nomination for Best Picture of the Academy Awards. Honestly, it doesn't. But it's damn fun. This is a couple of things. First and foremost, I think it this dispels the idea that only a Star Wars or a comic book movie can do big business at the box office anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And this isn't even like a comic book movie. I mean, this is, this is more akin to a lot of other fare. But when you put out a movie that just puts smile on your faces and excitement in the theater, people will go see it. We're in the same era right now where A24 has just had its biggest box office success of all time with everything everywhere all at once. So we see some really good things happening at the box office as well. Uh, this is pretty impressive. Rob, you take a look at this. No comic book movie, no Star Wars movie, no Harry Potter movie has ever made as much money in its fourth weekend as Top Gun does. What does this tell you? Well, I think part of it is the, the older audience has come out to the theaters after word of mouth hit. The reason that it's sustained is because people that weren't going to the movies are going back to see this movie in particular. I haven't heard, you know, I'm getting up there. And I, this movie, more people are buzzing about this movie than any movie I've heard about, more so than comic book movies, because people are, this represents nostalgia all the way back, almost 40 years of nostalgia. And, but I think the, the real testament to this is you have a star in Tom Cruise who waited. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to do this movie until the story's right and we can do it the correct way. And he said, technically, I want to have cameras that are in the cockpits. I want to be able to show something to an audience that they couldn't have seen before. So you have a star wielding their power in the proper way. you know. And then he had a collaborator he'd worked with before in Joseph Kaczynski. They'd made up living together, so he trusted him. And then he brought in his major domo, Chris McCory, to rewrite the script. He brought in, he brought in his A-team. You know, and they came together and it shows you, I think, what collaborators that continue to work together in Hollywood. I would say that, you know, Ron Howard and Brian Grazier are a team like that. Um, maybe not. They haven't had this kind of success with this. But I think that all, all of the to me, this movie represents how Hollywood is supposed to work. You know, and it people make make that's a 36 year old franchise. That's not going to work. I'm sure Hollywood will now let's take up every franchise that hasn't had a sequel from the eighties. That's not the way it works. I mean, this is a very special, uh, uh, case that was literally conjured up by people that cared enough and knew what they were doing. People that were at the top of their game, they earned the position that they're in and they wielded their power. I want to say in a benevolent way, but in a way where they conjured up magic. And this movie is magical. I Like you said, people who go to see, dude, you cannot watch this movie and not leave it without a big smile on your face. You get all the feels. You get the emotional wallop of meeting past characters and feeling that. And then you get the father-son relationship, you know, the pseudo-father-son relationship. You get aerial dogfighting sequences that are amazing. You get Kenny Loggins going to the danger zone again. I mean, you get the Top Gun anthem, Harold Faltermeyer's Top Gun anthem. You get Lady Gaga singing the song. I mean, I can't even imagine. You can't even, an AI could not design a better piece of entertainment than this. By the way, can you bring up that picture of uh, Bob again sure. for a second? Sure. I, I, I can't remember if we talked about this and last my name week sinking. or not. But do, do you guys, somebody pointed this out, I didn't realize this. Did we talk about, I can't remember if we did before I, I went sick. Did we talk about who he is? That's David Pullman's son. Oh. The president from Independence Day, Lone Star from Spaceballs. You mean Bill, Bill, Bill Pullman? Pullman? Who'd I say, Bob? Somebody. David. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Bill Pullman. That's Bill Pullman's son, who was a fighter pilot himself in Independence Day. Well, now I can't unsee it. Right? <laughs> I didn't know this. So somebody pointed that wow. out to me. I thought that was great. Anyway, Chris, mm -hmm. you see this, you, you see like the, the second biggest, other mm -hmm. than Avatar, no comic book movie, no Star Wars movie, mm -hmm. biggest fourth weekend in history. 
What do you make of this? What do you attribute it to? Man, I think it's just because you can see this movie with your whole family. Um, you, there's a lot of trends on TikTok right now of people going and getting fake mustaches and aviators and getting their grandparents to throw those <laughs> on and watch this with them when they go see the movie. I think it's cute as heck. Um, for me, I didn't have the spiritual experience that uh, Bobbert over here had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all these i i mean proof it's real jonathan all right i don't believe it i don't believe it okay there we go everyone's just trying to be you they keep seeing you on camera after last week they're like man that guy miles teller copied you bro exactly exactly but I really think it's because you can go see this as a whole family. This is something that everyone can go enjoy together. And let's be honest, a lot of the other movies right now are not having uh, the great, great critical reviews that Top Gun had. So if you're going to pick something to go see and get out of the heat, it's probably going to be this instead of some of the other things. By the way, bring bring up Bob again for a second. I, I just saw a couple <laughs> people in the live chat saying that they thought it was me. I, 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 really? I don't see it, but a bunch of people in the live chat are, are saying Are you his dad? <clears throat> Maybe I should be Bob. Oh, dang. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you make of? The, I mean, this you. I'm afraid this is one of those little statistics that people are just going to hear. And it's going to go in one, in one ear, out the other. This is really significant. The type of money and success that it has, because that means people are going and they're going again and again, and they're bringing new people. This is an incredible result. What do you make of this? Why do you attribute it to that? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down and before we get into our next topic here today, we want to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's show, uh, an organization and a company I use a lot and I have used them a lot over the years, our good friends over at Storyblocks. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Storyblocks. Guys, I have been an enthusiastic fan and user of Storyblocks for years. I go to them whenever I'm in need of content creation assets like royalty-free music, video clips, or templates for my creative projects, ranging anywhere from little editorial videos to my very own full feature documentary. Storyblocks helps you bring your stories, videos, and projects to life without sacrifices due to time, budget, or access to resources. They have over 1 million different story assets, ranging from stock videos, audio and music, an in-browser video editor, and they feature pre-designed templates, animations, and outros. Storyblocks uses an affordable subscription model and their unlimited access plans offers, well, unlimited video and audio downloads rather than a costly pay-per-clip model. With Storyblocks, you'll be able to create more content and more importantly, better content, all while using a subscription plan that fits your budget, utilizing unlimited downloads of demand-driven and diverse content. So if you're interested in upping your content creation game, head over to W www.storyblocks.com slash campia and get started today. That's www.storyblocks.com slash campia. And thank you to our folks over at Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Again, I've used them for editorial videos, my own documentary. We use them a lot. Guys, go and check them out. If you're a content creator, they are a great guys to have on your side. All right. With that down, let's now move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This comes from 90s movie fan. Hello, John. There's no other way to say it. Lightyear dramatically underperformed during its opening weekend, making only up 51 million. This is almost a third lower than projections, and it's not doing any better internationally so far. Considering the 200 million budget, this could be very bad news for Pixar. If Lightyear continues to do badly, could this signal the end of big budget animation movies? 
Sing 2 and The Bad Guys showed the market is still there, but they also cost less than half of Lightyear did. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. Couple of things we I want, let's touch on here first. Lightyear was not projected to make 150 million opening weekend. So this idea that it only made a third of what it was, the real projections going into was probably around the 70 something million dollar mark. Mm -hmm. Now, because I've been struggling with, uh, with being sick the last week or so, I have still not seen Lightyear. My wife went to go see it. She came home in tears. She loved it. So I haven't seen the whole thing. Ray, didn't you go with her? Didn't you take my yeah, ticket yeah. and went, went with her? What did you think of Lightyear? Oh, I liked it. I had no problem with it. I mean, it wasn't the best thing, but I wasn't excited to see the movie anyways. When it was first announced, remember when right, we did yep. a trailer reaction to it or we talked about the trailer? I, I was one of the people that said, we don't need this. I'm not excited for it. I'm not, I haven't been into Pixar movies like I mentioned before for a while, but this was more like I just went because Anne needed someone to go. So yeah, I went I and then I, I actually liked the movie. I wouldn't have gone and went on my own and like, got a ticket and watched it, but I'm glad I did. It's a, I thought it was fine. Yeah, my, my wife loved it. She's been, when are we going to go? When are we going to go? So she and I are going to go see it tonight. So I'm going to finally see it tonight. I haven't seen the whole thing myself yet. But even though it was never projected to make $150 million opening, they thought it was going to make more than it did. This comes to us from the folks over at NBC News that wrote the following. The film, Lightyear, was expected to open near $70 million in the U.S. and Canada, according to industry analysts. Toy Story 4 launched... Uh, to a commanding 120.9 million in June of 2019, according to Comscore, a firm that tracks box office data. Paul, blah, 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 a senior media analyst at Comscore, said that some filmgoers may not have realized that Lightyear was a spinoff of the popular Toy Story saga, while others might have expected it to premiere on the D Disney streaming service like the three previous Pixar movies, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. He struck out, try this again, he struck an optimistic note, however, saying, Despite coming in with lower than expected weekend, Lightyear should benefit in the coming days as word gets out to family audiences who may not have entirely made their Toy Story connection and that the film is only available in theaters. And that, again, comes to us from NBC News. So the question becomes, why did it only make 50-something million dollars? It looked great. We saw the first half hour of it. I, the first half hour of it was magic. I haven't seen the rest of it yet. But why, why $50 million? Well, there's a couple of interesting things to keep note of. Number one, while $50 million is way below what was expected, the reality is, <clears throat> compared to other family animated films, it's incredibly successful. Uh, think of it in this terms. The film Bad Guys that came out, right? It opened to $23 million. Went on to make $230 million at the box office, by the way, which is way more than I thought bad guys would have made. Sing 2 opened with $22 million. And now, it went on to make over $400 million at the box office, but again, it opened to $22 million. In light year, we are literally talking about more than doubling what other animated films right now coming out of the pandemic when a lot of families haven't started going back to the theaters yet and all that kind of stuff. So for context, the two most comparable films here, Bad Guys and Sing, it made double than those. And Sing went on to make over $400 million. So that's not bad. The other problem I think Lightyear had was a little bit of confusion. Listen, there was a little bit of solo in Lightyear, because when they first announced it, well, I love the trailers, I did, but when they first announced this film, a lot of people were like, why are they doing this? 
Like, so it's, it's Toy Story, but it's not Toy Story. It's Buzz, but it's not Buzz. So Tim is, wait a minute, Tim isn't coming back to The Voice? Chris Evans, okay, we love Chris Evans, but I think there was a lot of confusion about what, what, what the movie was and what it was not. However, <clears throat> I think the biggest culprit here, besides the fact that it is still pandemic era, families haven't been coming back in droves, we saw that with Bad Guys, we saw that with Sing 2, it did double as well as those did, all that's fine. The other thing they brought up in that article that I think is very telling, though, is the fact that Disney has spent the last couple of years conditioning audiences that their movies just come out on Disney+. Plus, Particularly Pixar. This comes to us, listen to this. Uh, David A. Gross, who is the CEO of the Franchise Entertainment Research Group. This is an organization that all the movie theaters go to to help them do their market research and understand what may hit, what may not hit. He said the following. Disney spent the last two years putting Pixar movies, Soul, Turning Red, and Luca, directly on Disney+, Plus, which has inadvertently conditioned people to expect to see the animation studio's newest releases at home. Disney has trained a lot of parents to expect that Pixar movies are at home, Robinson says. I wonder how much Lightyear paid the price for that. <clears throat> What's interesting is he made that comment before the movie came out. And... While I don't think this is the, these two things that the fact that there was a little bit of confusion as to what this movie was, the fact that the last three big Pixar movies in a row have all gone basically training the audience that their movies come out on thing, another consequence of that stupid decision that they made. I'm not saying those are the only two factors in this. Not at all. I think the trailers could have been done better. The one was really good, but a couple of the other trailers I don't think did a good enough job explaining what the movie was. There are other elements as well. But I think when you kind of look at the fact that it still did more than double as good as the other comparative family animated films that are coming out right now, combined with the fact that there was a little bit of confusion as to what this movie was, combined with the fact that Disney has been training people that Pixar films come out at home video, I think it kind of adds up that makes it understandable that it opened to what it did. The big question for me, Rob, is going to be, what does it do moving forward? Does it get word of mouth? Do families tell other, do the families that saw it tell other families, you got to bring your kids to go see this? Do people go back to watch it a second or third time or not? Again, Sing 2 opened to $20 million and it made 400. So if it follows that pattern, Lightyear is going to be just fine. The question is, will it follow that pattern? Rob, you saw the initial numbers for it. Many directors and filmmakers and studios would kill to have a $50 million opening weekend, sure. but still, this is below Pixar standards. Although, by the way, it did outgross the opening weekend of the last Pixar film that came out pre-pandemic, which was Onward, which opened at about $32 million. But what do you make of this, and what do you think the future for Lightyear is? Well, I think all the points you brought up were really great, but I do think that there is brand confusion here uh, much more extreme than people might think. Because this is attached to the Toy Story franchise, rightly or wrongly. We delighted in the connection. You know, in 1995, Andy went to see this movie, and this is the movie he saw. No matter what, there are, people expect a certain experience from a Toy Story movie. The experience of the camaraderie of the toys. You know, Woody and Buzz, Andy, but then there's Bo Peep and Mr. Potato Head and Slinky and the, 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 
the uh, oh, the claw. What are those things the called? Aliens. The aliens. Yeah. You know, what are the, the they have a name? John. Uh, how do you pronounce John's last name? Ratzenberger. Yeah, that's his, his pig bang. I love. Yeah, the all of those characters, rightly or wrongly, when you think Toy Story, anything, you have those characters are evocative in, in your brain. This movie, I love what they did with it, but look, family audiences are not. If you've got kids, you're not up on your pixar meta storytelling you're just thinking hey it's a toy story movie let's go see it this isn't that at all and i think that that it's irrevocably tied to what people think of as being a toy story movie and it isn't that so i think that there might be a level of disappointment you know in certain people certainly in parents when they experience they're going to get this experience of what it is i mean and what's interesting too the original toy story i was talking with mike bodden about this this morning it was john lassiter's childhood a lot of the toys Right. In in the Toy Story movies, were not toys of the '90s. You know, they were they were retro toys, like toys from the '70s when John Lasseter was a kid. And there was a there was a a space toy in the '60s called Major Matt Mason. That was I was just on the cusp. I was a little too young to get Major Matt Mason, but that's really when I even saw like a, a Toy Story the first time. I'm like Buzz Lightyear is totally Major Matt Mason. It's a it was a toy line that was big in the '60s that came out of the Apollo program, and and so. Even Toy Story, the toys are retro. And this movie, even the thing that they're saying, when, when Andy saw this movie in 1995, even though kids in 1995 were not necessarily... But remember, people at home never saw that. That was never part of the marketing, right? Only people who were in the theater saw that. Right, in of 19- course. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I, I, I think that this people think this is a Toy Story movie, even now. And they're not wrong, because it's Buzz Lightyear. It's called Lightyear. It's, it's a Toy Story movie, isn't it? No... It's not. But the, the thing is, I'm hoping like you wrote or, or read in the article, it's a wonderful, I mean, again, I haven't seen the whole thing, but it's still a wonderfully, beautifully made movie that is heartfelt. It tells a great story. It's got all that Disney goodness in it, Pixar goodness in it. Because you loved that first 30 minutes loved, too, didn't you? Loved it. I loved all the retro sci-fi designs. I don't know. I mean, did you see the whole thing? I still haven't. I had a whole bunch of auditions this weekend. So yeah, I that's the I worked. So I worked on script notes and yeah. I was like, I... I just want to point out in this room, the only person who's seen the movie is Ray. Ray. Well, <laughs> well, let me uh, be completely honest. You know, it was a long day that day. And even at an hour 40, somewhere in the middle, I may have gone into a small coma and just went Sleepy to sleep. For a Ray. But Anne said what I missed was good anyway, so. I believe in her. It was like 10 minutes. Come on. <laughs> What's going to happen? But, but I saw Storlax I did see. Light I year. You know, I saw the beginning and then the middle was, uh, you know, blurry and then the end was good. So, <laughs> Chris, you, you're hearing about this. Look, we, we, we've we read the, the comments and the, mm-hmm. the an analysis going on here. What do you attribute to making 50 something? Because the reviews on it are good. They're mm-hmm. solid. What do you attribute this to? I do think it is the learned behavior of Disney animation is streaming. It's no one's running out to the theater because I don't think it's at the forefront of your brain of, oh, we need to go take the kids to go see that movie this weekend. Right. Because all the Luca, which was a beautiful film right on streaming. Right. Everything so far has just gone straight to streaming. So I think that's kind of just back of people's minds is the first issue. And then I do think there is that confusion that y'all were talking about is Kids are familiar with the Toy Story franchise and they have a very specific idea in mind. Adults are too. We have a lot of nostalgia with that film, right? This star was Pixar's flagship film with the Toy Story franchise. So I think too, maybe people are going in expecting some of that Tim Allen, more uh, 
toy-based humor and get in sci-fi and are a little confused. I loved the first 30 minutes. I know people in the chat are saying that it, for them, a lot of them are saying the first 30 minutes were great and then it slowly dissolves from there. Mm. So maybe we watched a really great opening that like a lot of Disney properties lately are not sticking the landing. Right now, I, I just been doing some math while you're talking there. Uh -huh. <clears throat> I brought up the calculator. People do a lot of math when I talk. <laughs> so um, when you take the 51 million opening, the 50-ish million opening for Lightyear, um, when you compare that to Soul, Turning Red, and Luca, it made $51 million more than all three of those movies put together. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just want to make sure we point that out, mm -hmm. that it actually made more than all three of those movies combined. I had $51 million. So question is for you guys. What do you think about this? I mean, again, double as good as its nearest competitor in this field right now, but still underwhelming compared to what we've come to expect from a Pixar film. Do you think it had more to do with like, wait a minute, is this a Toy Story film or not? Do you think it had more to do with, wait a minute, don't they put all Pixar films out on Disney Plus now? Or do you attribute it to something else? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Oh, it's a headache. Um, this comes from Tyler. <laughs> Reports are all over that Ezra Miller is officially fired after the Flash movie. I guess the Axis Aslov finally chopped him down also. How will this affect the ending of the Flash movie? Will they change it to officially write him out? Or will they just simply say it's another universe? Interested in your thoughts. All right, thanks for saying that in. And look, let, let's be very clear here. There have been some people online talking about it's official now. Warner Brothers has fired Ezra Miller. That is not true. It could be true, but it is not official. The Warner Brothers has made no announcements about firing. Now, you guys will remember, I told you a couple of months ago that I had been contacted by somebody at Warner Brothers, that they had held some meetings. I think it was Variety two days later confirmed that. And I told you guys like two months ago, they're going to be parting ways with Ezra Miller. The only question that was going to be left was, what do they do with this movie that they already shot? <clears throat> right now, I brought this up once before, but it needs to be repeated again. This Ezra Miller situation is not at all like, say, the Don Johnny Depp situation was as they were going in to make uh, Fantastic Beasts, right? Like, a lot of people are saying, well, they fired Johnny Depp right away. Why don't they just fire Ezra Miller out of this Flash movie? Everybody keeps forgetting that there was big, big difference between the two situations. Number one, I think they had filmed like three days of the Fantastic Beasts movie when they fired Johnny Depp. This Flash movie's done. They had finished principal production on this movie years ago. <clears throat> I mean, a long time ago, their, their production had wrapped on this. This is a finished, completed movie. Because I guarantee you this, regardless of what has happened since then, if when the whole controversy about the Johnny Depp stuff had started after Fantastic Beasts and the crime or the secrets of Dumbledore was already shot, they would not have removed Johnny Depp out of that movie. No. It would have been too complicated at that point. So it's, it's two entirely different situations here. It is more complicated. But the questions become, what do they do with Ezra Miller now? And where are these reports coming that they've officially parted ways? Well, this is where it's coming from. It comes to us from a report in Deadline, but this is what Deadline actually wrote. There is no winning in this for Warner Brothers, one studio source tells Deadline. This is an inherited problem for Zaslav. The hope is that the scandal will remain at a low level before the movie is released. Yeah, well, good luck with that. And hope for the best 
uh, to turn out. Sources have even have said even if no more allegations surface, the studio won't likely keep Miller in the Flash role in future DC films. That that would mean replacing him in the future, but there is still a $200 million investment on the line with the first film and Warner Brothers execs have to be cringing at each new press report. And of course, it got even stranger last week when Ezra Miller got on their social media and put out this weird series of posts, including one that said, you'll never find me. I'm in another universe. And like some really weird cryptic stuff. Then later Ezra deleted their social media account. I think they deleted their, uh, their Instagram. So that's gone now only making things even worse for them. So what was actually said in this deadline report was not that Warner brothers has fired Ezra Miller. They said that what is most likely to happen, their studio source said, which is what I told you my studio source of Warner Brothers said two months ago, what is most likely here is that <clears throat> Warner Brothers is going to part ways with Ezra Miller. And from everything that I have heard and understand, that is still the case. That after this Flash movie, which is already shot, there's nothing they can do about that, Ezra Miller will not be the Flash again. And and I, and I but, but it should be pointed out, despite the fact that Warner Brothers' source is suggesting that, and I have told you that same thing, it needs to be pointed out that that is not yet official. So while everybody's running around saying this is official, it's not official yet. But I believe that is what's going to happen. They're done. But that still leaves the $200 million question on the table of what do you do about this flash? Now, look, I read all the comments. I understand it's easy to say, well, just jump it on streaming. Well, <clears throat> okay. You lose $200 million then. Look, the reality is if you put this movie in theaters and it makes $80 million, like forget a billion. If it makes $80 million, that's $80 million more dollars you will have in your bank accounts than if you just dump it on streaming. And that's easy for everybody else to talk about what other people should do with their money. It's easy for us when it's not our money on the line to say, well, just do that anyway. Who cares? It's just $80 million. It's just $80 million. Because I guarantee you, you put with all the nonsense surrounding this Flash movie, you still put this out in theaters as is, it's still going to make minimum $120 million. Not opening weekend, but it's still going to make some money. Well, what about the other option? And we've talked about it many times, but it evolves with every new weird twist and turn this story takes. The other option, the unthinkable option, Reshoot the movie. I, I can't even fathom that. Now, it is true that it probably would not... You, if you wanted to reshoot this movie from scratch, <clears throat> and the only change you make is taking out Ezra Miller and putting in a new actor to play Flash, it probably wouldn't cost $200 million this time around because the scripts are done. Your blocking's already done. You could probably get through and remake the movie much quicker than you could the last time around. Of course, you got to get Michael Keaton back and you got all the actors back. You probably got to pay them all again. Oh, yeah. So you, I'm guessing you could probably remake that $200 million movie with all the visual effects already banked in, in, in the thing. You could probably remake this movie for $120 bucks. But now you're talking about instead of a $200 million investment, now you're talking about a $320 million investment. And 
maybe that's worth it. Because Rob, you know, I have said for a long time, redoing this movie is not an option. I'm starting to wonder about that now. Because let's say <coughs> you put another $120 million into this. Well, that movie that at most would probably make like $120 million at the box office now maybe could make $600 million at the box office. So maybe David Zaslav, with his very, very economically conscious acts and always worried about cutting costs, maybe David Zaslav looks at this now and says, you know what, we have a better chance to make money if we just bite the bullet, I sign another check for $120, $130 million, reshoot this thing, Urgh. I, I still don't know that that's the way they're going to go. Rob, you're hearing about this story now. Number one, do you have any doubts that Ezra Miller is done as Flash after this movie? And then number two, dumping it on streaming, release it in theaters as is, or reshoot the damn movie. What's their best option at this point? Dude, I, I to me, this is a nightmare scenario. I mean, as far as movie going or movie, movie making is concerned from a studio perspective, it's a nightmare scenario i mean they meaning ezra miller they are embarked in in a career immolation phase like i don't understand if they want to burn their career down i've never seen anybody do a better job of it mm -hmm. uh, i i i i can't i really don't understand and, and then the social media thing they are very aware of what's going on to the point where they're now taunting everybody yeah and after all of this that's happening i i i at first, I'm like, okay, if people are undergoing some kind of meltdown, that's one thing. But then to consciously know all the people you work with, all of your collaborators, all of your fellow actors, everybody that, the girl that plays Supergirl, what this means to her yeah. career. I, I'm like, the the unbelievable disrespect, not just to the people that they've been, uh, that Ezra Miller has been in conflict with or whatever, but all of these people that don't deserve this. And all of the people that have worked so hard. And the thing is, this movie is supposed to be great. We've heard it's good. We've heard very the, good the things coming out The reports are that it, yep. the studio is very happy with it. Which is why I think even if you just dump it in the, in the theaters, even with all the controversy, it probably still makes back some of its money. I just don't think in this day and age, how do you consciously release a film like this to the public? Because rightly or wrongly, you're, you're, you're allowing such behavior you're normalizing or or you're you're saying that this behavior is somehow okay we are going mm -hmm. to reward you in some way shape or form for this horrible behavior where the, i just don't know how to do it and even if you were to reshoot this film then the movie itself i just don't see that it could work maybe it could work i mean Zack snyder certainly replaced was able to put tig Notaro in army of the dead and I've I've looked. Now that was a much smaller, much smaller only had role, a couple of scenes yeah. though. Yes, it would not be easy. But would it be cheaper to reshoot the film? And then is it worth doing? Mm. I mean, that's the thing. And then, like you're pointing out, it's no longer two hundred million dollar movie. It's a three hundred twenty million dollar movie. Yeah. And how do you justify that? You're looking at it. It must make a billion dollars just to break even with that kind of a marketing budget. Eight fifty minimum. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's where are you going to go? And I I I. I I'm fascinated to watch this. I think the, the, or watch what's going to play out. I think the only thing they can do, the thing is what's going to happen in the next year. If Ezra Miller just continues this kind of behavior, where does it end? I'm now worried for them, you know, and, and anyone who knows them, like what, 
where are where are they going to be? And I I hope everybody gets the help they need, but it's it's not a great situation. But as far as the studio is concerned, man, I think they're probably going to either have to shelve this movie or put it out and just say we have to put it out. There's nothing we can do. I mean, we owe our shareholders. We owe, but then again, then this the corporation then is like, oh, so you care about money more than people's safety and more than people's well-being. Well, I don't see how releasing this film is going to... Like, like here, here's the thing. I don't think this is a case of if they release this movie, this isn't them rewarding Ezra Miller's behavior. No. It's Warner Brothers saying, we refuse to allow us to be punished for Ezra Miller's behavior. Because ultimately, if they don't release this, it's not hurting Ezra Miller. It's hurting them. Right. And, 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 and Warner Brothers had nothing to do, at least the, the current Warner Brothers regime that is as it exists now... This wasn't their fault. This wasn't their problem. And if they do release it, it's like all the damage has been done. I mean, the, the damage has been done at this point. So that doesn't answer the question. I mean, that, me saying yeah. that, that doesn't answer the question. But that damage is ongoing. And, mm -hmm. it and, and it, it's not ending. And if it ends poorly, uh, God forbid, it, uh, I mean, hopefully it won't, won't. I mean, the studio's really between a rock and a hard place. But, I, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this week about the fact that if you go to any, because obviously thousands of people are involved with the making of, of big movies. And I said, if you go into any of your favorite movies, there's at least five gigantic assholes who worked on that film. You just may not know who they are. Yeah. Like big. You just may not know who they are. Yep. Right? Like, and if you just shelve this movie, because, and by the way, I don't disagree with you that shelving the movie has to be one of the options. I, I agree. <clears throat> Counterpoint to that would be, if you shelve the movie, for for one asshole, look at who's you're damaging and hurting. You are hurting all the people that worked on this. You are hurting the director. You are costing the studio hundreds of millions, which is going to cost. Because I guarantee you, they lose hundreds of millions in this. There's two directors out there who are getting ready to shoot their Warner Brothers films. They're going to get a note saying, "Your your project's been pulled. We don't have the financing for it now." So you got people who are going to lose their movies. You have these actors who in this, like you mentioned, the girl who's going to be playing Supergirl. I mean, there's a lot of consequences to releasing it. There's consequences to releasing it on streaming. And there's a lot of consequences to, to just shelving the movie, too, to a lot of people that had nothing to do with Ezra Miller's behavior. And that's what makes this so sticky. Yep. Like, it's really complicated, as you pointed out. Chris, you hear about this. Number one, do you think there's any chance that Ezra Miller continues to be the Flash after this movie's done? And what ultimately? No. <laughs> and then what ultimately happens to this movie that doesn't exist? Well, this movie doesn't exist, and I'm just so glad that I've been right this whole time. Let's focus on that. <laughs> There's a win for me. I don't know what you do. I really, really don't, because I totally understand your point, Rob, of it. if you see giant movie posters of Ezra Miller as The Flash, if you see action figures in Ezra Miller's likeness, that does broadcast a, that's fine, kind of message a little bit. And yeah. that is not the job of the movie st studio, right, to uh, be the morality police. Surely. However, they'll get called on it. They will get called on it. And this is my biggest issue with these things. We keep hearing a source from Warner Brothers is telling us a source is saying this. No one is actually stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, we have a problem with this and putting their own name behind it. And it seems like a very simple thing to do. Hey, if these accusations are true, I definitely think grooming children and harming women and doing all this stuff is bad. That's not a strong stance to take. To be like, wow, violence against women is pretty fucking horrible. 
It's easy. Just say it. Just say it. I did it just now. Ah. <laughs> so I don't understand why someone from Warner Brothers can't just nut up and say, hey, we have a problem if these accusations are true. Just do that. That's all I want you to do. Ezra Miller will absolutely not continue to be in this franchise. Ezra Miller is in another universe, apparently. We don't even know. We don't know where Ezra is. Is there in another universe? Yeah. So, I mean, even if this gets released, they're not going to be part of the press junket. They're not going to be part of the premiere. They've already removed themselves from this franchise. So Warner Brothers doing this whole let's wait and see is coming out much more like, let's see if he just fucks around a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> let's just see because it's getting worse it's snowballing they've removed themselves from hollywood yeah they will never work again i mean this 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 situation what filmmaker what financier anybody who's going to shell out it's so hard to get movies financed even independent films i mean the perks of being a wallflower i love that movie i own that movie ezra on Blue. So great and ezra film. is fantastic a, a, he's fantastic and do i go back and watch that movie again it would i would be hard pressed without the first thing i'm going to think about is they did this, you know, and, and it's hard. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of a lot of films that I love, even though the film's like, do I not watch The English Patient anymore because Harvey Weinstein produced it? It's tough. But in this case, I mean, it's, this is ongoing. I mean, in another universe, I'm wondering what hap- what's happening in that universe. It is such a disservice, like you guys were saying, too, to everyone involved in this project from start to finish, the actors, the crew, everyone who's doing post-production on this, to the community that Ezra's a part of on a greater whole. It's just, while, while Ezra Miller might be going through something, it's an explanation. It's not an excuse. Yes. Right. And... But- but this is, well I want to point out too, that this is fairly consistent with Warner Brothers' playbook for a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't say something publicly as a company that is going to hurt your upcoming movie, right? True. Look at what happened with the Ben Affleck situation. I told everybody Ben Affleck was out as Batman. Nobody believed me till a year and a half later, they finally made it official. But even at Comic-Con, when we know already, we now know for a fact that they've talked about it publicly. When Comic-Con came around, it was, it was already done. Ben Affleck was out as Batman, but they didn't tell people. They had Ben Affleck get on stage and say, I can't wait to be Batman for Matt Reeves. I'll, I'll act like an ape for Matt Reeves. And Batman. Remember he said that? It was already known he was out. But they didn't want the narrative to be this big negative thing Ben Affleck's out when they're trying to promote a Justice League movie that was coming out. I think they're doing the same thing here. I think they're just like, <clears throat> let's not talk about this until we know what we're doing. Because if they decide they're going to reshoot this movie, they're going to come out and say, we can't abide what's been going on with Ezra Miller. We've parted ways with Ezra. We're going to reshoot this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, your brand new Flash, Ryan Gosling. I I mean, I I don't know. I'm just making the name up. So maybe something like that happens, but I think they're going to play quite... I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm not saying I agree with them. But I think their mentality right now is until they 100% decide what they're doing with this Flash movie they're probably going to keep their lips sealed and not say anything until they make that decision. And uh, man, what a mess. You know, a there's a, a 120 days uh, you get if you pay someone with a credit card, you could do a chargeback. I'm just saying, maybe they need to <laughs> extend yeah, his money back. They need Take to the extend the uh, chargeback uh, policy. I don't, I don't know. I, well, there's, the thing is, there's contra- that's another thing. There's contract law. I mean, he might very well be, you know, you joke about it, but he might very well be in violation 
because his contract might say, look, you're obligated to participate. There is in actors' contracts that they're participated. They're obligated to participate in marketing. Well, every contact and, also has a four-cause breach. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that Warner Brothers could, could cite a four-cause breach here. Yeah. Uh, uh, and for me, someone who doesn't really pay attention to these things, these things are just horrible, uh, no matter what. I don't even care about this movie anymore. It doesn't matter to me. Um, Black Adam is next and Batgirl for me. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't so matter if this film comes out or not or, or just, anymore. Or just relabel the movie, edit thirty percent of Ezra Miller out, and relabel the movie The Dark Knight Returns Returns. Yeah, or Batman is back again. Or Electric Boogaloo. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> add a third storyline in it. And you don't have to reshoot Ezra Miller's stuff, just downplay Ezra and add somebody else. I mean, they try to do, there's a movie that came out called Supernova that James Spader was in. It was a science fiction film. I think it went through three different directors. They kept reshooting it, jiggering, rejiggering it around. It's not great. But, but there, it, it, <laughs> Thank that, you, Rob. that kind of thing doesn't ever work. But with something like this, you still have the appeal. I mean, switch the marketing over to Michael Keaton coming back. Yeah, as make Batman. it about Batman. Because that's, that's huge and change the storyline. You know, the funny thing is, like, it, it's known as a Flash movie. Call it Flash like we talk. Batman Flashpoint. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that works too. I mean, anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you make of this? I, I think it's pretty much understood. I think everybody understands and acknowledges now that Ezra Miller is done as the Flash. The question is, what do you do with the stuff they've already shot as the Flash? In particular, yeah. this movie. Still a lot of options here on the table for them. What do you think is going to happen here? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys we are now going to open up the super chat so if you have a thought opinion observation theory or question that you'd like to send in to us we are opening up the super chats right now you can go ahead and start firing those in remember guys they're only open for a couple of minutes and then we need to shut them down so you're gonna have to move pretty quick on that but before we get to those super chat questions you guys are sending in let's take a second and thank another sponsor of today's video i'm wearing them right now they're so comfy our friends (laughs) over at me undies we want to thank the sponsor of today's video me undies guys it is summertime which means you got a lot of great fun plans but make sure part of those plans is wearing me undies because me undies wants to make this summer the most comfortable one that you'll never forget because when you're living your best life in the summer the last thing you want to worry about is butt sweat and junk swamp Listen, when you're feeling comfy and feeling good, you're more present to enjoy all your summer plans. It's like science or something. MeUndies has the lightest and most breathable fabrics to keep you cool and comfortable wherever you go. From undies, bralettes and socks, loungewear and swimwear, you can find something for all of your plans. MeUndies also releases new prints all the time, like their limited edition Pride collection. You can match with your partner, friends, or even your dog. Find your ultimate summer comfort in sizes extra small to 4XL. You guys know I have been wearing me undies for a couple of months now, and I will never go back to regular underwear. And right now, me undies has a great offer for all the viewers and listeners of the John Campia Show. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off. For a limited time, if you sign up for their free-to-join me undies membership, you get 25% off your first membership item. So to get 15% off your first order, or 25% off your first membership item, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash campia that's meundies.com slash campia and thank you once again to everyone over at meundies guys remember if you use that code you too can be wearing the underwear that john campia wears what happened? lucky you what all happened right 
It was just a dream he was here. He's already faded back. He's in another universe. Yeah, they took him. (laughs) Well, before we get into all of our super chats, Ray, you've got some member chats, right? Yeah, I just wanted to announce that Chase Scott, he gifted five John Campion memberships earlier. So so thank you, Chase Scott. We got one from Adrenaline Knight. If you can look up Sasha Ruiz, an actor, and tell me if that doesn't look like John. All right, we'll have to look him up. And I got one more from Whitehawk. He says, I'm curious if Hercules is going to be a little more accurate to the myth or it's just going to be the animation animation in live action. Either way, I'm intrigued. Oh, well, thank you for writing all those things in, guys. Uh, Sasha Ruiz does look like a jacked campia. I can see that. Wow. I could, yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Um, and then as far as the Hercules movie goes, I definitely think they're going to take the more Disney-fied version of it. We're not going to have... Zeus and Hera fighting and trying to murder their son. I just love the way it was put. Is it going to be more true to the myth? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. Um, uh, But but no, I I think they're going to use the Disney version as the basis. And and true to the myth, does that mean like they'd speak in Greek? They do have those really great Greek jokes, though, where it's things like two words, I'm retired, because in Greek it's actually uh, more words than that. Yeah. They do cute stuff like that. No, but I think they... They would. They're going to stick close to, as a live action adaptation. It's it's that version of. Oh, for sure. Story. I think so too. Which, by the way, I, I like that. I love that I one. I like Hercules. I think it's real cute as a musical, and I like it that Zeus isn't just you know becoming a bird and doing all kinds of shenanigans yeah, with people. That's Ooh. true. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go there no. either. Not in a Disney movie. No. All right. right, what's next? Let's get into the super chats. All right, from Andy. Today's episode should have been named The John Campia Show, The Return of the King. <laughs> Grateful to have you back, John, and glad you're doing well. My friends, you bow to no one. Uh, <laughs> they, no, hey, listen, it's, it's, I've been going stir crazy, man. I've, 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 I've <laughs> Being able to watch these guys doing the show, my stead, I mean, it's it's been, first of all, depressing that I haven't been here, but also really exciting being able to watch these guys run the show without me. It's been really awesome. So thank you guys to yeah, everyone, fun. all of you, yeah. being here too. All right, Batman Beyond, baby. Batman Beyond. <laughs> Batman Beyond. <laughs> From Josh Khan, the pandemic was horrible for the box office. The studio has come out of the strongest, Paramount. Quiet Place 2, Scream, The Lost City, Sonic 2, and now Top Gun Maverick. What a mm-hmm. comeback to the top. Yeah, Dude, mm-hmm. listen, we've been talking for years. Paramount's holding on by a thread. Paramount's mm-hmm. holding on by a thread. Paramount's, oh my God. They came out swinging. And they have done so freaking well. They've had success after success after success. Hell, even their damn Paramount Plus mm-hmm. is doing pretty good. Wrapped up watching The Offer. Oh, my God. That, that show. It's a lot of fun. got to get nominated for a lot of de- Ma- Matthew Good is Bob Evans. Was so good. You and me, Bubby? <laughs> so Always good. Bubby. People got to say Bubby more. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Rose Swan, sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Rose. Spider-Man and Batman fans are uh, feeding well in these few years, while Superman fans are starving. And Flash fans just want to go on a diet at this point. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, yeah, life is good if you're a Spider-Man or a Batman fan. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff out there. I, they got to figure out this Superman thing. But, but from everything we've been hearing, that is a priority for David Zaslav yeah. right now, is getting this Superman situation figured out. Because listen, with or without Henry Cavill, my God, I want it with. But with or without Henry Cavill, you've got to get moving on Superman. Yeah. I mean, you just got—you can't have a comic book cinematic universe and not have Superman as a major part of it. It's crazy that it'll be ten years next year since Man of Steel came out, and we have not a solo Superman movie in all that time. 
Oh, crazy. How does that happen? All right, what's next? From Haunted Autumn, watched Spiderhead on Netflix and was pleasantly surprised. Hemsworth Teller were a delight. Top 10 of 2022, of 22 so far for me. Have you seen it? Thoughts? My dad I, was watching this yesterday. I sat down the other day, hit play, got a call that completely distracted me for the rest of the day. And then I never got back to it. I need to watch it. I think the trailers have been really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Miles Teller's in this. Yes. Yeah, and it's Joe Kaczynski, director of Top Gun Maverick, who yeah. directed it. Yeah. I, I'm, I, will, I will proclaim it right now. This is the year of Miles Teller so far. Between Top Gun, which he's great in, mm -hmm. The Offer, which he should probably win an Emmy for. He was great in that, too. And I'm hearing really good things about Spiderhead. So, I mean, th this is kind of Miles Teller's year right now. Now all he needs is another crack at being uh, Reed Richards. All right. Mm -hmm. What's next? <laughs> From Quintanic. Can't be a returning like Optimus did in Transformers Age of Extinction. The best Transformers movie. Oh, come on. As he calls the Autobots out of hiding, he's alive. Optimus, or in this case, Campia, is here. Hound. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, that's a good comparison or not. <laughs> I, I, I still remember the uh, uh, when they killed Optimus Prime in that godforsaken Transformers animated movie. A movie that only exists. I'm talking about the the animated one in the 80s. The you movie got that, the power. You got the touch. Dee, dee, dee. By the way, what was the other movie that featured that song? Boogie Nights. Very good. So I should tell you something about it. Anyway, where they killed, the whole point of that Transformers movie was to kill all the Transformers to tell all the children, time for you to buy new toys, kids. That's the whole purpose of that thing. Fuck so you, bad. Hasbro. And then when they realized nobody gave a shit about the new Transformers, then they brought him back. They brought back Optimus, where all they had to do was like, oh, well, we know where his body is. Let's plug him back in. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. Even as a kid, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, yes, I am back. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Stubble McShave, can a Hollywood or independent studio insure Ezra? Um, nobody will. Yeah, nobody. He'll never get insurance again. Yeah, no, no, no studio, no insurance company will will unless it's a premium that a studio is just not willing to pay. Yes, but it's going to be un, untenable. All right, what's next? From uh, Digivi, with regards to Affleck Keaton's contracts, is WB contractually obligated to release the Flash? Would they be walking into a Disney ScarJo situation? I do not believe they are contractually obligated to release it. But there are probably, because of that ScarJo situation, there are probably new clauses and contracts all over the place. Like, okay, a $5 million bonus automatically triggers if this does not go theatrical or something like that. Like, these are all now things that agents and lawyers and attorneys are absolutely putting in there. So I, I'll tell you right, there are provisions in those deals. I guarantee you there are provisions in those deals for what happens if we need to do this or that or the other thing. So we will see. But I, I don't think they're going to be nobody's going to hold a gun to their head that says you have to put this in theater or else there's always a way out with money. I want to know about like, how does Ezra's representation, his manager, his agents, his lawyer, are that would they hold Warner brothers feet to the fire to get his money or would they, or would they be, we get it. Um, I will be surprised if his lawyers, agents and management haven't dropped them already. Right. But I mean, they still want to get that money. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it'd be interesting to see how far does it ain't show friends it show business go. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, I feel bad for Bruno as he is getting shoved and locked into the friend zone so hard by uh, Kamala. He's trying to get her attention so hard. I'm telling you what, I do not give a shit about little romances and comic book stuff, 
I am so in on this Kamala Bruno thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Kamran, first of all, that's a handsome kid. That, that Kamran kid is pretty handsome. Kamran shows up and all of a sudden she's starry eyed. And of course she is. She's a teenage girl. That's a good looking new kid dude in school driving a Porsche. I think it was. <laughs> Of course she was. I felt so bad for Bruno. I'm like, no, no, Bruno. Go for Bruno. He loves you. I, I, I find myself getting swept up in this thing when I never would get swept up in this stuff in any other comic book property, but I'm getting swept up in it now. All right, what's next? From South Texas Shark, John, I'm the sickly McPetri dish now. Yeah, the I'm, I'm, I'm the Petri dish yeah. now. Like I was saying, like Robert Meyer Burnett is the new Mr. Petri dish because you got sick. <laughs> I, I am the Petri dish now. All right, what's next? From Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo. We were just talking about you, Chef. Uh, playing Last of Us 2 for the first time, and I've never understood the saying, you're the enemy in someone else's story better till now. I, wow. No, so that's one of the things that I that absolutely loved about that game, right? Like, there's a great saying I heard a while ago referencing what Chef Rigo just said. Like, to really keep yourself balanced, always understand this. No matter how bad things seem, you are the hero in somebody's story. Also bounce it out with, you are the villain in somebody else's story. Never forget that. That every single one of us, including you, you are the bad guy in somebody's story. You may not realize it, you may not know it. Maybe justified, may not be justified, but it's it's a great thing. And yes, that there are so many, narratively speaking, The Last of Us 2 there's a reason why I say it is the single greatest accomplishment in narrative storytelling in video game history. Like I am so enthralled by everything in that game. The story <coughs> references that there are consequences to things that happen. There's human casualty and damage that happens in the result of consequences and choices that you make. And it made like this whole idea about, yeah, our heroes of this story. Yeah. They totally ruined and destroyed other people's lives. And now this is the story of one of those people and how they perceive things. And I was so enraptured with that approach to storytelling that it's just the most brilliant thing I've seen, Chef Rigo. I'm glad you're playing it. I hope you have a good time with mm -hmm. it. All right, what's next? Uh, from Zhang Dai, Erisham appears in the sky, people on the bottom half of the earth. Is that a big red crotch up there? What is going on? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so many questions raised by a giant celestial appearing yeah. in the sky over the world. By the way, the MCU has still not addressed it. No. Not once has been brought up. Now, then again, I mean, I guess there's a lot of things that have happened in the MCU that haven't been brought up, but that seems to be a pretty big one that should probably get a mention somewhere. I think they will mention it in Thor Love and Thunder. I think that's going to be the first time somebody says anything about it. Because, you might be right because you know they've got they've got Asgard. How do the Asgardians that are now on Earth feel about this? They must know something about the Celestials. Mm. I, I could so. see them and that having. I could see them having some great conversation, some throw. It's going to be hilarious, whatever it is, when they talk about the Celestials. Because I I I would think that that would it would warrant a mention at some point. Yeah, somebody's got to bring it up. All right, what's next? From Jermaine King, John, I'm glad you're back, but now I'm really going to miss the Daily Batman Beyond segments. <laughs> yeah, there are certain things that are done that are no I longer part of the show. They'll just have to wait till I'm out again. I Actually, by the way, work. I'm not here on Thursday. Just, just so you guys know, too. 
Oh. Uh, I'm not here on Thursday. I am speaking at uh, YouTube oh. invited me to speak at their annual VidCon conference. So I'm going to be speaking to YouTube creators. Oh, nice. And doing a, a session there. on. So that's so I will be out on Thursday. So the, I guess the Batman, Batman Beyond, Beyond chat is back on wow. Thursday. We should have a guest Batman Beyond Ooh. actor Ooh. come in. Who played Terry McGinnis? Wilfred L. There we go. Let's call mm -hmm. him up. All right. What's next? From Elizabeth Harado, good to have you back, John. Thank you, Elizabeth. It is really good to be back. All right, what's next? From Andy, a friend told me there should be a John Cena biopic with uh, Timothy Chalamet as John Cena. <laughs> I thought it was weird, so I told him, I don't know, man. I can't see it. Uh, uh, get it there. By the way, speaking of Timothy Chalamet, did you hear that Robert De Niro? No, not Robert De Niro. Uh, Al Pacino mm -hmm. said that he would want Timothy Chalamet to play him. If he needed somebody to play him, he wants Timothy Chalamet. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, again, I've been telling you guys, this is Timothy Chalamet is the actor who is not Daniel Day-Lewis, but has the potential to be the next Daniel Day-Lewis. He's incredible. Yeah, he's it's it's sick and he's just getting better. Mm -hmm. He's just getting better. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Zashan, please watch the RRR Indian movie. That's my second favorite movie this year after Everything Everywhere All at Once. Just an absolutely wild time. Suspend your disbelief, though. Listen, oh, yeah. I said this before I got sick. I am going to watch, I don't know what else, I don't know if it's ER or RRR or Triple R. I don't want to tell you, the, the, R, the R stand for words. Okay, so it's oh. an acronym. Okay, so yes. it's RRR. Something, something, something. You got to watch the movie. I don't want to ruin it. I am absolutely going to sit down and watch this movie this week. Absolutely will. All right, what's next? From Andres Morin. Hello there, the millions and millions of and John Campia millions. fans that know you dislike, hate, can't stand Dragon Ball Z. But have you ever seen Dragon Ball Z abridged on YouTube? It's Dragon Ball Z with a little bit of the filthy. No, and by the way, I don't hate Dragon Ball Z. Like, not at all. It's just, I listen, I had a friend when I lived in Saskatoon named David Zbart, one of the absolute funniest people I've ever met in my life. The dude's absolutely hilarious. And he loved Dragon Ball Z. He goes, okay, Campia, we're going to sit down. We're going to watch a bunch of Dragon Ball Z. I'm going to get you hooked on this show. I'm like, all right. This is my kind of thing. Let's go. <laughs> Snooze. <laughs> Yawn. I like, it's just not for me. Oh, That's no. All. Like, it's just, it, I, I but didn't. But their power is over 9,000. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, John, it's just, <laughs> don't you understand? It's over 9,000. Okay, yeah, wow. Um, it's just, just not for me. That's all. People are taking I'm gonna the keyboards with moves. the hates. They're ready right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be in your garage. I got to go feel I, some yeah. rhythm. I got to go get the other Zodiacs and work on my moves. <laughs> I'm too busy I'm for busy. this. Busy with the breakdancing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not dissing the show. I'm not dissing anybody who watches it. It just didn't work for me. Didn't work for me. And listen, it would have been fine, too, if they came out with a live action film. And if the live action film was great. Ooh, yeah, I big swing and a miss it. there. That didn't that didn't help things very much either. So, so uh, yeah, but, but I do not hate Dragon Ball Z. I don't hate Dragon <laughs> Ball Z. All right, what's next? Andy, thank you so much to Eric Kripke and Amazon Prime for giving me a naked Jensen Ackles. They're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Termite, that's Vot's ass. I tell you what, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't here last week. The boys has not taken its foot off the gas. I have loved every minute that. That ending with Butcher's betrayal of Mother's Milk and the, the the deal with the devil with, oh my God, this show just never ceases to shock you, but tell gripping, fantastic story all along. I, I just can't believe how good this show is. All right, what's next? 
From Scotty Hale. Welcome back, John. Wanted your thoughts on the last uh, latest boys episode and your ex excitement rate for Herogasm. Welcome back. Happy to be seeing you doing good. I mean, look, I am, to be honest, I am curious to see what they're going to do with Herogasm. But it's like the great thing about the boys is not the shock. I mean, that's, that plays into your overall experience. Absolutely. But I mean, yeah, a tiny man running into another man's penis and then blowing him up from the inside. That's just dumb if it's not put into a story and in a show that has great narrative and great characters and they tell it in a great way. Herogasm, yes. Like everybody's like, oh, this is going to be so perverted and filthy. Yeah, okay, yes. But is it wrapped in great narrative? Do they do something? This is the strength of the boys. They take the shocking, but they wrap it in profoundness in their narrative and, and their storytelling and everything shocking they do is always to serve the story and if they do that with herogasm then we got a winner then we got a winner so we'll 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 see and we'll see just exactly how filthy they'll go i don't know like will they go spartacus level like orgies filthy or i mean i don't know what do you guys think i think they gotta i think it's gotta be big we've already seen their sex parties yeah, but these, you know, these characters, they don't like each other. You know, I, I, I have like an interesting, the, they, they've, all these characters are really delineated differently from one another. And if they all, I, I like, I can't imagine Starlight suddenly jumping into an orgy situation. You know, I can't yeah. imagine anybody wants to pull a train with the deep because he's <laughs> such a douche. Like all these, I mean, and, and the hero gasm storyline was you know, it's, yeah. I, I just can't see the characters as they are portrayed in this show. It's so, I, I think it's going to be far darker and sinister. And I think some of it's going to have to do with Maeve. Yeah. And, and whatever is going to happen, it's going to be really not fun. But as we've seen with Maeve and Butcher, you don't have to like somebody to knock boots. <laughs> That's you can true. hate somebody and then have a real great time. That's true. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Jamie Sundays, sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thanks, Thank Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. If Lightyear was Andy's favorite film, then he's got shitty taste in movies. <laughs> well, but really, I was so disappointed in Lightyear. They should have just gone the route of Toy Story 2's prologue. At least that was fun. I mean, I, again, my wife came home for it almost in tears. She loved it so much. Uh, I mean, the, the ratings, the reviews of it still remain strong. Again, I've only seen the first half hour. The first half hour to me was like best picture nomination worthy, but I haven't seen the final hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they also had the Buzz Lightyear TV series that you can't get anymore. Like Buzz, it was called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. I and don't it, remember that. It's an, it's an animated series mm -hmm. that they've basically stricken from the record. You can't get it. You know, you can't find it anywhere. Maybe it's on YouTube or something. But I think that's what a lot of people, I mean, people go up, this franchise is, People grew up with it. You know, if you're 25 years old now, how, how, how are you? you it's, Toy Story's been there your entire life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and now I think this movie sort of flies in the face of your established Toy Story canon in a way. Like, I didn't have that marriage of, to Toy Story. Yeah. I loved it when it came out. I think the Toy Story movies are some of the greatest animated films ever made. So, but when I saw Lightyear, I bought into it. I'm like, great. But I can only imagine if, if you're... If you were like six and you saw Toy Story 1, these movies are going to mean a lot more to you than they meant to me. Yeah. So Lightyear might be a true transgression. Oh. Like for me, modern Star Trek is what Lightyear must be for a <laughs> lot of Toy Story fans. All right, what's next? 
From Mr. Hank Dunn, the best option is to reshoot. Swing for the fence. I mean, again, that is easy to say. It's easy to say. But you're talking well over $100 million. You're talking about four months, five months. You're talking about trying to reorganize all the other actors' schedules who have other commitments and other things they're doing. You're talking about booking sets and locations that may already be used for other things right now. I mean, it's easy to say, just reshoot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it would be a monumental undertaking, unprecedented, not since like the closest thing I can think about is Brad Pitt's World War Z. Like with the, right. with the amount with the amount of reshooting. Now that actually worked out in their favor. They oh, they actually ended yeah. up with a winner. You know, could you see the obvious thing to do? You've got Grant Gustin. No. You're, you're, no. You, you could never see that happen? No. Like, Listen, Grant, I love Grant Gustin playing the CW version of Barry. I ain't looking for the CW version of Barry on the big screen. Well, you can make him a different Barry. Well, then why does it need to be Grant Gustin? Right? And well, you had the respect, Flash TV I like Grant series very much, but this no. becomes the end. No. There, nobody watches the Flash series anymore. It's true. Like, if people don't watch the Flash... Barry Gustin's Flash, Barry Gustin. <laughs> if people won't watch Grant Gustin's, and I am a Grant Gustin fan, and I've loved his shows. I mean, I've, I've fallen off it now, but I will always look back at this CW Flash series with great fondness. I think Grant is a great Flash for that show. But if nobody watches him as Flash when he's free on TV, why would you think for a second that people are going to spend money to go watch him in theaters? And that show gets like what? Two million viewers. I was going to say we 1. figured 2? out more people watch us. I mean, the interesting thing <laughs> more is that people. No, this is true. In a month, more people watch the John Campy show than watch the Flash. Yeah. Put it in Chalamet. You, you've got good cheekbones. <laughs> you know, you swap it, them out. Timothy Chalamet. That, that could work. But who else do you put in that role? Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a non-problematic actor. Charlie Sheen has a new. He has a new project. He's working on Doug Ellen. Uh, the creator of Entourage is doing a new thing, a new show that Charlie Sheen stars in. And I'm sure that's going to go without a hitch. Yeah. Swimmingly. That's, by the way, the name of the show. It's without a hitch. Without a hitch. All right. What's Charlie next? <laughs> hey, Marcellus. Trillian Ar uh, Arthur Eyre is a general in the Air Force and is currently the oldest active pilot of 16 at 64 years old. Wow. Someone in the chat had said that Tom Cruise was too old to fly. LOL. Well, I mean, listen, Tom Cruise is turning 60 here soon. Um, and, uh, he did his own flying. <laughs> so clearly he ain't too old. By the way, did you see the James Corden bit? Oh, it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. wasn't that good? I it loved was, it. Right. Oh, I loved all God. the, you're my goose. That does not make me feel good. <laughs> that does not make me feel good the way that turned out. All right. What's next? From, uh, Scythius. Definitely some, uh, mentality out there of not my buzz. So you're not going to take your kids to go see because of the cloud and nostalgic judgment. I kind of went off on a few of my friends for that. I mean, listen, everybody has their own reasons for why they do or do not like a project or a movie. Now, yes, not my buzz seems like an idiotic thing to me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But there are probably things I've enjoyed for weirder reasons and things I've not enjoyed for re weirder reasons. We all have our own stuff that we go to that. And it's like, and I'm sure I heard a lot of people like it never stopped right from the moment they announced Chris Evans was doing the voice. I never heard it stop that. It should have been Tim Allen. It should have been Tim Allen. But really, are you going to or not go to see a movie because 
the person that you can't see on screen anyway is not the person doing the voice for something, that to me seems pretty lame. Also, I just want to say that, you know, I have a Hot Toys Ed 209. And the voice of my Hot Toys Ed 209 is not the same voice that's from the movie Robocop. So the idea that Tim Allen is the toy voice of a toy that's based on a movie. It's so they good. Just, they just didn't license Chris Evans, the actor that played Chris Evans in Lightyear. They just didn't license his voice. You're they saying a, in canon, yeah. Tim Allen is the knockoff. That's exactly yeah. right. Right. That's exactly right. They just they wouldn't pay the actor the licensing fee yeah. to license his voice or pay him to come in to record for the toy. And Tim Allen wasn't in the Starfleet show, too, or the Star Command show. No, right. That was Patrick Warburton, who that's, also voiced the aliens, too. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. I did not know. Learn mm -hmm. things new here every day. All right. What's next? From Willie I. Ray fell asleep for 10 minutes during an hour, 40 minute movie. His body <laughs> won't allow him to exceed 90 minutes. I, I'm, I'm this is not unusual. <laughs> Look, this is not a look, 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 and you don't want to waste food, so you just get a little stuffed, and you get a little tired. What? What? What's wrong with you I'm, people? I'm not kidding. Any family get together after Ray eats, mm -hmm. he's done. Like he's asleep within oh, minutes. Oh, I did also. Oh yeah, there's. A, yeah, I'm not gonna mention the other thing I had too. <laughs> Special brownie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's next? From Damien, Rob and Ray sell uh, sell me on for all mankind. <laughs> That's what they did Ooh. all last week. It's tough because you know what? It's like moon this season. If I wasn't so hooked after the first season, you just have if you're if you like the first season, then you'll like the rest, is what I'm saying. Because it's not exactly like a fast paced show, right? Nope. And I I I usually don't like the slow burn shows, but this one works for me for some reason. I think all the elements to it, all the sci fi elements and going to space or wherever they're going just intrigues intrigues me oh uh, well it's about head. an alternate history i would say very simply that for all mankind portrays a world and human beings that we all wish we lived in Ooh. that it shows a, a, a it shows a, a history that we wish america had yeah, and a future that we wish america was heading towards all right what's next Neat. Ron H. Hey, John, happy you're back. But when we get food talks, groove and rob, car in control, hatching plans for stealing breakdance vids and other greatness, we wouldn't mind if you got sick again. Guys, we said we're not talking about yeah, our dude. plans to steal things. He we said, said the, that in a very private conversation. He said the quiet part out loud. Did you hear the part where we called your mother on live? What? No, we he didn't, <laughs> clearly. Sweet. We're still good. <laughs> All right, what's next? <laughs> From James, James Woods back uh, James Woods back is Hades for Hercules, yay or nay? Oh. James Woods actually always is Hades in everything, like how I thought you were saying real life. James I mean, Woods in real life, no, I mean, but anytime they need him for um, like the TV show that they did or the Kingdom Hearts games or anytime he pops up, this is his favorite role of all time. So he always does the voice. Really? Do we want him in a live action film of this? That's an interesting question. I mean, it depends on, I mean, obviously this is either going to be CGI'd or heavy, heavy makeup and prosthetics. Mm -hmm. I, let's put it this way. Do I feel like it needs to be James Woods? No. Would I be okay with it being James Woods? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay with it. He hasn't made a lot of friends in Hollywood lately. Though. No, he's Ooh. not. So, like, even uh, Family Guy. And I'm a huge guy, fan of his. Even Family Guy changed the name of the high school. Because remember, it was James yep. Woods High. They they even changed the name of the high school in it. And 
Ah, Adam West. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Norwegian Kryptonian. One, what if Batflick Keaton says uh, they don't want to be associated with all this? Two, could investors sue someone for this? Shine on. Um, no, there's nobody investors can sue for this. I mean, not with what has and has not been done up until this point. Uh, Keaton and Affleck, uh, look, we just talked about how professional Affleck is. Mm -hmm. Like he was willing to lie to his own audience and all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, the studio wants to promote their movie for me to help them promote their movie. I'm going to tell the world that I'm still Batman. I mean, so the, these are professional dudes. They're going to do what they need to do, promote their film. So I don't see that being an issue. And to be, if we're, if everything is to be believed, Warner brothers actually did the job they're supposed to do for their shareholders, which is make a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now like, so if anybody could be sued, it would be Ezra. But again, now we're talking about for some for cause stuff and that could get a little bit dicey. All right. Good question though. All right. What's next? Andy Vought would be perfect for handling Ezra Miller. <laughs> Vought, I'm telling you, <laughs> Ashley and Ashley would totally be down for dealing with this situation. No problems. Have it covered up in a lickety split. All right. What's next? From Jose Garcia, a new batch of allegations have been put forth on Miller this morning. This time a gun was involved. Forget Flash. This man needs to be behind bars. Well, I mean, look, uh, you don't say somebody needs to be behind bars for reports and allegations and things like that. And these, these didn't just come out this morning. There have been some of these have been floating around for a bit here, too. Look, the problem with a lot of us on the Internet today is we are not smart enough to know that we don't know everything. It's like we we... We are too quick to jump to concrete opinions on things that we have no access to the actual information on. We hear reports, we can form opinions, but in forming those opinions based on reports, we also have to have a little asterisk for ourselves of, of saying, but we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. Like even if everything I'm hearing is true, there's a possibility that's 10% of the information. Meanwhile, the tip of the iceberg analogy, right? Underneath is 90% of the other information that I don't know. That could change my mind or make me feel the same even stronger. But we don't know. But it's sufficient to say that nothing we're hearing is good for now. So it's it's troubling. It's troubling. All right. What's next? From Matt Sanders. Hey, guys. Only a few more days for Elvis. How's everyone's hype levels for it? Can't wait to see it. Hope it does well and bring on the filthy. Uh, At the box office. Oops. I, <laughs> I, I just decided that we're bringing the filthy with Elvis. Um, I am beyond excited for this film. I unfortunately had to skip a press screening of it last week because I wasn't feeling well. Uh, but yeah, I'm ludicrously excited and bought our tickets for it. So we're going to be going to see it opening night. Um, honestly, I don't know how great the box office is going to be. I mean, this is a weird looking film. It is a Boz Lerman film, so it's going to be weird. But his kind of weird works for me. I'm guessing 40 million opening. I haven't looked at projections. What do you think, Rob? You know, I don't know enough to make a guess. I might even go under, under that. What do you think? 35. Chris? I feel like under. Just because the reviews have been mixed for it. And it looks, it's very, very Boz Lerman. It looks like yeah. he, it's Boz Boz in the most. All right. Most what's Boz Lerman ever. From Elizabeth Arado. We also have to factor that many people said they would boycott the film because of Tim Allen not reprising his role and the LGBTQ theme. Okay, so there's no theme. Here's the thing. Um, I can't remember the last time a movie came out where I haven't heard somebody saying they're going to boycott the film. Yeah. I remember hearing all these people were going to boycott Captain Marvel. Uh, they boycotted it all the way to a billion dollars. Um, so I don't 
really pay attention to that. Like there's always going to be people that do and do not go to a movie for their own particular reasons. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's anything different about that. So I really, honestly, I don't attribute much to that. I don't know. Do you guys attribute a lot to that? I, I don't. I don't think so. I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say it had zero impact, yeah. but other many things have an impact. I'm but. sure some people are sticking to their guns on this and they're like, well, <laughs> Tim Allen or bust. I don't know. He's making Michigan ads. He's fine. He's doing fine. <laughs> He's got all that tool time money coming in still. <laughs> And then as far as an LGBTQ theme, there's there's two characters who we see for a few minutes who don't even speak, really. Mm. I don't, if that's what's keeping you from the movie, I mean, I'm not going to convince you to go see it, so. I mean, I it think... was the same thing with, with the Batman. I mean, they, they said, oh, this is a woke movie because one character said one line. Yeah. yeah said, yeah. like, uh, something about. It was Catwoman's line. Yeah, what was her line about, like... Old white men. Old white men or, or whatever, privileged yeah. white men. Oh, so the th rest of the three hours is wokeness. It's woke. Shut the hell up. Yeah. It was a good movie. By the way, she wasn't wrong. It was a true <laughs> right? statement It was made. a true statement. <laughs> I, still, I still, you know, we re-watched we re Lord of the Rings Return of the King recently for a movie club. And I just, I, I cannot... Like, if that movie were to come out today... That just based on the one line when she says to the uh, to the Nazgul and says, I am no man and kills him. Oh, my God. There the, that group of people today would have been like if that movie had come out today because of that one line, it just would have been you never would have heard the end of it. Anyway. All right. What's next? Tolkien had an agenda. <laughs> All right. <laughs> From Al Renshaw. After hearing about Bollywood in, re uh, in recent Ms. Marvel episode, how likely do you think it is that we get a cameo from Kamal Nanjian? Eternal's connection? Well, listen, the, first of all, the Kingo gag, I laughed. So good. Really hard at the Kingo gag. Why not? Oh. Like, why not have Kingo make an appearance? I could, uh, well, no, 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 because that, because the end of Eternals, it makes sense. But maybe seeing Kingo on screen, like they're watching a Kingo movie or something. What do you think? I think for, I would be surprised if that doesn't happen. You know, or, or the movie that they were shooting uh, in Eternals is actually being broadcast on TV, finally. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that could be great. That would be hilarious. Kamil's basically living his best life right now, too. Just like, I get to be in all the fandoms I love. So I could totally see him being like, totally. guys, I will I will do a Bollywood film for you to put here. Yeah. Give me that opportunity. All right. What's next? From, uh, oh, Johnny Skywatcher. Hi, John. Love the show. Disney's own animated films that have released in theaters, Raya and Kanto, have not done that well either. Most people discovered Encanto when it was on streaming. Well, now, of course, you're talking about films that were more right in the heart of the pandemic and, and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, I mean, any movie that came out during that time, you've got to take with a giant grain of salt. I kind of like, that's why when Lightyear comes out, I like comparing it more to those films like Sing 2, The Bad Guys. That's a little bit more comparable to draw some contrast with. Yeah. Um, and again, compared to those, Lightyear Dear did double the business that those did. And again, Sing 2 went on to make $400 million. So like, We'll see what happens. There is still a reality here where Buzz Lightyear can still make seven hundred plus million dollars at the box office. That's that's right in line. That's actually a little bit more conservative than Sing 2's projections were. So, but maybe it will, maybe it won't. We'll have to find out. All right, what's next? From Zashan, hyped for Hero Gasm over Obi Wan finale this week. Same. There are several things I'm looking forward to over 
Obi-Wan's finale this Man, week. I got to take my car in to get serviced. You know? Yeah, I, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to lie. I, and I, I never would have believed I would have said this six weeks ago. I'm not excited for the Obi-Wan finale. Well, if you had to pick either or, which is going to have a better climax? Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that would be Hero Gasm. Yes, that would be Hero Gasm. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Collins E, a, at $200 million, Lightyear cost more than Top Gun, a movie that used actual fighter jets, an irresponsible budget. I think any animated movie going over $200 million is an irresponsible budget. Yes. There's, there's, no, there's no need for it. You don't, it does not have... I get it. Pixar is always pushing the envelope, always trying new things. A lot of that expense comes from brand new software development. and like That's where a lot of that expense comes from. But, I mean, no, there's no reason for that movie to be $200 million. And it, this is a problem that's not just with Pixar. This is a problem with a lot of different studios. It just, it's a, it's a system-wide problem. Studios spend too much money. Most studios spend too much money on a lot of their movies. So this is no different. All right, what's next? From Sully, Rob, you are 100% right. Ms. Marvel makes me freak out every two minutes to their 100% accurate representation of my life. I love this show. I mean, you know what? That alone proves that there's something going on here that's valuable. That not a lot of, like, I would never know that. But the the family representation, the Pakistani Muslim family in this movie, the accurate representation means a lot to a lot of people. And that, I, you know, I love when that happens. That's a testament to great writing. But here's the, here's the beautiful part about it, too. As far as this representation goes, it, remind, it does the same thing that Turning Red reminded me of. That we're looking at a completely different culture. Yeah. But it's the same story. Yes. I have the Illuminantes. <laughs> Sue, Maria, Pina, Lenora, Linnea, like my mm -hmm. Italian aunts, that's the Illuminantes. <laughs> yep. Like the, the, the struggles in high school. Yes, she's a Muslim girl in high school, but she's having problems that we identify with. The discussions at the dinner table. It's a different cultural background, but we've mm -hmm. had those discussions. That's one of the things I love about this show so yep. much is that we're seeing it's it's a different world, but it's the same reality. And and I love that for I it. also think that's that's part of the appeal. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love watching movies like that or 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 watching shows like that, and, and that's why I love Kim's convenience. Yeah. Because it's about a Korean family. Mm -hmm. Parasite, you know, an actual uh, yep. Korean film. I think that's one of the great appeals of storytelling is that we see both a new culture but also the universality that all cultures have a certain connection. All right, what's next? From Harv's K, welcome back, John. Thank you. Were you able to catch up on any TV or movies during that downtime? No, I was down. <laughs> I, was, I was just down. Uh, I, would, I would sometimes sit outside just by, just get some fresh air and stuff like that, but I really didn't. And when I was watching stuff, it was like little short bursts, like just some YouTube tech videos and things like that. But no, I was... I was pretty much taking it really, really easy. All right, what's next? From Suthius, y'all follow Vaught on Instagram? I highly recommend it. A lot of fun posts, including full-length music videos for Crimson Countess's uh, Chimps Don't Cry. Oh, my God. Uh, it's what The marketing for this is genius. Across the board, they do such great stuff. Well, even just like their YouTube video stuff, they're like seven on seven, their, their news reports and things like that. And it's just like they've done a really good job taking advantage of the free ways to market and promote. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, they're doing such a great job on are that Are you stuff. following them on Instagram? I have not. I didn't even know they had an Instagram account. Are I've you going to follow them before you follow uh, Rob? Probably, yes. <laughs> 
Unless Rob suddenly starts putting Crimson Countess on his Instagram page, I'm Boom. probably going to follow it. Yeah, no, I don't want to get a strike or anything. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, name, sorry, the Dream Palace Philosophers. Oh, for the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, full marks to you, Stubble, for trying to be creative, though. I give you that. All right, what's next? I like that as a band. From Andrew Rice, John, as a good Canadian kid, have you seen good Canadian comedies, Trailer Park Boys or Letterkenny? Thoughts? We've spoken about both yeah. several times on the show. I mean, Trailer Park Boys, I mean, that's that's going back. I mean, that, that's been around like goggles and everything like that. Like, it's some pretty hilarious stuff. Letterkenny, I discovered a couple of years ago. I introduced you to Letterkenny. Dude, it's so good. But by the way, I have not watched. There's like 10 seasons of it. Yeah. I have not watched all of it. I watched a lot of it. And now there's a spinoff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. The Shorzy show. Shorzy. Yeah. yeah. Shorzy, which I, you know, I would get to it, but it it was a lot. I, I did a real intense deep dive into Letterkenny, which, by the way, I recommend because it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. I love it. Why is Canada's making the best comedy stuff right they now? They really like, are. Between uh, Schitt's Creek. Mm -hmm. Kim's Convenience. Kim's Convenience. Letterkenny. I mean, they're just making the best stuff. I this low them. budget Canadian. You're a guys. wacky bunch. Yep. Yeah. Up All right. north. What's next? From Eric, Mr. Rare Air, they should just put out the flash with a message at the beginning of the film. We here, WB, don't associate with Ezra, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, like whatever they decide to do. Look, there's also got to be an understanding amongst film fans. Ezra Miller is one individual amongst thousands who made this film. Ezra didn't write it. Ezra didn't finance it. Ezra didn't direct it. Ezra is a hired actor who was hired to stand in front of a camera and recite the lines that somebody else wrote. And I'm not, I don't say that as a way to diminish the importance of actors. Not at all. I'm just saying that we have to understand and keep in perspective that they were one person who was hired to perform a role in this film, just like the person who was hired to come in and make sure that the lighting grids were all set up properly, like the people who were paid to come in to make sure that the sets were painted the right colors, like the people who wrote the scripts or, or anything like that. They are one individual amongst hundreds or thousands of people who made that movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's this. We got to just keep that in mind. That's all I'm saying. All right. What's next? From Joel. Will the Flash character still continue in the movies eventually with a new actor? I have no doubt. Yeah. The Flash is too important of a character mm -hmm. to the MCU, right? Like I have zero, zero doubt. We will definitely see the Flash continue. Probably, definitely with another performer playing the role, yeah. though. The, the DC Extended Universe. The DC Extended Universe, yes. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Andy, watching The Boys Season 3 made me realize that this is the first time I've seen Jen Jensen Ackles on screen since Supernatural ended in November 2020. I'm crying now. You know what? I think you're right. I don't think I've seen... Now, obviously, after the run of Supernatural, Jensen probably wanted a break for a while. Yeah. Like, probably a good while. Because he's still, like, having had a successful 15-season show, he's still really young. Like, mm -hmm. what, he just turned 40? I believe so. Like, he's still really young. So he's got a long career ahead of him. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't doubt at all if he decided to take a year or two and said, screw it. Like, he got married during Supernatural. It's like, this is going to be the first time me and my new wife are, have a life without Supernatural. Like, not doubt at all, but it is and good to he see He made that. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. 15 well, years on TV is a lot of cash. He's been making music. He's been doing voiceover stuff, too. He's trying out other things. Yeah, he's oh. he's really good. By the way, voice of uh, of um, Jason Todd of Jason Todd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in one of my favorite uh, DC animated films. Yeah. And All then right. he usually dresses as them for Halloween, which is super fun. Oh, I've never seen yeah. that. Yeah, Ooh, it's really cool. good. All right, what's next? 
Uh, from Dr. J sending in a $21 super chat. Thank you, Dr. J. I presumed the hero gasm would be the most shocking thing I saw this week, but then I caught Robert Burnett's Skinamax style XFL commercials and everything changed. Bravo, Rob. But today, you, would, you wouldn't get canceled. You'd get lit. When, when you were gone, I talked about my short stint working for Vince McMahon. Uh, doing when they were doing the XFL and how I right. ended up producing and voicing the XFL cheerleader commercials. And I had made a video of those commercials and an explanation about two years ago. It's on the YouTube channel. So I told anybody to, if you want, you can go see them. They aired on NBC. Ah, <laughs> uh, the XFL, such a great idea executed so badly. You have to get good football players. Yeah, start no. there. <laughs> you get to get good players. And then just make a good game. Don't make the game a gimmick. And like, yeah, yeah it's... It was like you said, it was a good idea. All right, what's next? From uh, Dan's production. So why is FX, Netflix, and Prime doing such a great job with their series and Disney is not taking the time with their shows? Here's the thing. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, it's not just the runtime of the episodes. Like, I, I, I continue to be frustrated with Disney Plus and stuff like that, right? Other networks seem to take the time to write fully fleshed out narratives with multiple interesting characters. It, it seems like the Disney plus shows are like, well, this show's called the Mandalorian. Every scene's got to have the Mandalorian in it. Right. When you go and look at shows like sons of anarchy, breaking bad, Yellowstone succession, like you look at all these great, great things, right? Yes. You've got, this is your main character. Sure. But three quarters of the show can take place away from that main character because you have fleshed out, developed, great story and characters. And it's like with Obi-Wan, like Disney Plus viewers are so conditioned to that now that when Reva has a couple of scenes, everybody's like, well, this is the Reva show. It's like, no, Obi-Wan still has more screen time. But we're so conditioned on these Disney Plus shows that the shows are only about the main character. Whereas all the other truly great shows going on, Stranger Things, I mean, you just go on and on and on. It's a story populated with great, well-written characters, with subplots going on and things like that. And that's something that the, the, the Marvel shows seem to be missing. Um, and, it, and that's why maybe they feel so short, they feel so unsatisfying. Again, other than WandaVision, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. All right. What, what's next? From Sam Fisher, one of two. I really hope he is Hercules and not Her Heracles and not Hercules. Or the gods are Jupiter, Pluto, and Juno, not Zeus, Hades, and Hera. Pick Roman names or Greek names. Don't use the Greek names for everyone but your main character. That's my biggest <laughs> issue with the animated. Don't do it for the LA. That's a good point, Sam. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to do it the way they did in the animated film. Yeah. Uh, this is clearly, they've said it, this is going to be the live-action adaptation of the animated film. Probably also means musical, so they're probably going to, but that is a very good point to raise up, actually. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From South Texas Shark, so Batman Beyond, oh, John is back. Yep, no, kill, <laughs> just kill that bullshit right now. <laughs> Get Thursday. rid of that nonsense. <laughs> on Thursday, we're going to talk about Terry McGinnis so much. All right, what's next? From John Wicked, has sent a super chat. Hey, Thank thanks. you. Uh, Virton03 sending in support. Thank you. Double McShave. Do you think the Willem scream is used too much? No. No, I think most people don't even know what that is. Yeah. So, no, I say use it more. 
I get a kick whenever I recognize it. And I'm yeah. sure it's probably used 20 or 30 times that I don't even recognize it's being used. Sometimes it's used really well, too. It absolutely fits. Right. Mm -hmm. I just don't like it when it they push it. They like just add it in there. And it. if somebody's falling off a really high perch mm -hmm. or down into a chasm or something, it works. Yeah. Sometimes they put it in. I'm like, eh, mm. doesn't work. All right. What's next? From Joe Fashow. Why is Thor Love and Thunder so far away? I hope the crew is doing well this Monday morning. I believe there will be a huge cameo in Thor. Anyone else agree? I mean, look, I still believe there's a possibility a Beta Ray Bill shows up in uh, Thor Love and Thunder. That's all I want. I, mean, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. <laughs> I love it. Um, other than that, not sure. Listen, it's close. The movie's less than a month away now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, what's it like two weeks away, two yeah, and a half weeks so. away? It's July 8th. Is it the eighth? So it's three weeks. Like a little under three weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it's close. It's getting close. <laughs> I don't know if there's gonna be another trailer. I know I won't bet Ray on it, but hopefully <laughs> there'll be another trailer. All Talk right, about hero gasm. <laughs> <laughs> From Roy L. Went to Fan Expo Dallas this weekend and got to meet the cast of Dexter and the cast of Superman and Lois. Still on Cloud Nine. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. that's a convention that I that has been growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard about that. I've, I've actually had a few people write to me and say I should come down to that one. So maybe yeah. next year I might uh, maybe make a trip down. <gasps> Yay, Texas. Yeah. All right, what's next? From A. Marcellus. Ray, is Snorlax your spirit Pokemon? <laughs> You're both sleepy. LOL. <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he even looks like Snorlax. He I does look Snorlax. like Snorlax. Yes, he does. I didn't even think about that before. See? <laughs> all right, what's next? just sleep all day. <laughs> Hi. From Christy George, do you think Pixar should look at myths from other cultures for new movies? No, I look story. You just wherever a, a storyteller gets their inspiration from is fine with me. It doesn't have to be from this source, that source, whatever. And ultimately, really, I say this all the time. People hate it when I say it, but it's the truth. It doesn't matter where you get your initial story idea from. Do you write it well? It's like comic book villains. Doesn't you can put Doctor Doom in something that doesn't mean it's going to be good. They put Doctor Doom in a lot of movies. It just, do you have a great idea for a story and then do you execute it and flesh it out well? But I think, I mean, they have been. Look at Coco, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, what was the what was the movie that just came out? The, Luca. Luca, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they've, they've, they've delved into other cultures. Yeah, I mean, they, they go around a lot. And they do a beautiful job of it. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, just pre-ordered the Dragon Ball Super Blu-ray complete series limited edition on Crunchyroll. So excited. That Me so too. Excited? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, hang on. Before you make fun, I I saw. Now, I I'm not gonna buy it because it's not my thing. But that set, if it's the one I saw, it's got the um, steel books. It's pretty cool. Like as far as physical media goes, I'm like, wow, that that's not cheap. They spent some money. So you go right ahead buy that. <laughs> and what by the way, did. I'm joking around. If you're excited about it, I'm excited for you. I it's think pretty cool. Great. I mean, I looked at. If it, I, I was suddenly like, got a big set thing of like. Space Battleship Yamato or Star Blazers, yeah. I would probably geek the hell out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody else would care. It's pretty cool. That that set, it, it gave me pause. I actually stopped and was like, what's this? You know, and looked in it. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I wouldn't buy it, but it's cool. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Fredo. <laughs> Fredo Vogels. Hey, John. Great to have you back. What's your thoughts on Calvin versus Josh on Saturday? I believe Calvin won, but great UFC card. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I thought it was close, tight. I think the decision went the right way. Mm. It was a split decision. It's just one of the... I love watching these fights where afterwards, you just tell these two warriors were in a battle. Did you see the post? 
the post-fight conference, he's sitting there. He won. He's smiling, laughing. His face looked like cauliflower, like multicolored cauliflower. Like half of his face was all like <laughs> bubbled up from welts and his eye was completely sealed <laughs> shut on the one side. He was like Two-Face. If you like did this, you'd think, oh, he looks perfectly fine. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I love that. I thought the decision went the right way. All right, what's next? From Jimmy Sundays, now that the offer is finished, I loved it. It was so good. By the way, from now on, when anybody asks, and we've been asked for years, what's the difference between a producer and a director on a movie? I'm just going to say, go watch The Office, The Offer. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. Go watch The Offer. I no, mean, they did a really good job illustrating what a producer does. Yeah. A working producer. Yeah. The the actual functional producer. And by the way, I, I, I wish that I had a Juno Temple in my life. She was amazing. Oh, she was she so good in that? Yeah. All right, what's next? But the real question is, what does an associate producer do? Yeah, that's more nebulous. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Film Code Podcast. Welcome back, John. Was there anything that was discussed while you were gone that you have thoughts on? Uh, I'm probably many, many things. I, I still even remember the first day. I still wrote the show notes mm -hmm. for the first show that I was gone. I'm like, oh, I wanted to be there to talk about that and whatever. But, you know, it's it's all good. But, like, every day. I mean, but it's my DNA. I just... What about Kenobi? I was really interested to hear your thoughts on the last episode. I didn't Kenobi. think it was great, but I thought it was a definite improvement over the previous episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, again, just like the that one episode where he's forced choking Obi-Wan from that distance and drags it through fire, but now there's more fire and Obi-Wan's getting away, but he can't force grab him now. Like, there's a ship. Okay, awesome scene. Comes in, grabs the ship, uses the force. Oh, now that other ship is taking off. Oh, well, I used my one force grab today. <laughs> I have a limit of one force grab per day. It's like, why didn't he just grab that? Oh, wait, why were the stormtroopers just standing around firing at the door for 15 minutes when Reva any moment could just walk up and go G -g 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 and be done? I mean, why was she sending a Jedi Knight general off with just two stormtroopers guarding him? It just look, I thought it was I enjoyed it. I liked the last episode. I did. I liked it. Big step up over the previous one, but not enough to make me excited for the finale. I really hope the finale can crush it, but I, I don't have a lot of hope at this point. Can you weigh in on our most heated discussion we had? What's that? How do you cook your Pop-Tart? Uh, I have never had a Pop-Tart. Of course. Of course. That was the answer. Have you had a, what is it, a strudel? <laughs> a toaster strudel. A toaster strudel. I have never had on. a toaster strudel. Dang. Man, Here, Part of the reason why, I don't like fruit in pastries. At all. Obviously, you can get a s'more. You could do a s'mores yeah. one. They, they have chocolate and cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. I could do that one. I could okay. do that one. My, the only pie More I eat are like coconut cream pie or ice cream pie or uh, lemon meringue pie. Yeah. Lemon, and you lemon. really hate fruits and vegetables. <laughs> I, I Definitely not in my pastries. Definitely not in my pastries. We wow, could do, we a, we do a separate video yeah. uh, where John tries the both and compares. And it's the oh, it'll be the final, word. <laughs> the final word. The final word. Why would you do a pop-tart comparison video? Ooh. All of us. It's like know? me doing a beer comparison video. I remember <laughs> once, like my friends took me out in San Diego and they're like, here, we're going to get you a flight of beers. I'm like, all right. Tastes like, like liquid Sip wheat. one. That tastes like beer. Sip two. That tastes like beer. Like I, I'm not a beer guy. Mm, like at all. Fair. All right. Sorry. We've, we were already <laughs> over time. Let's, we got to wrap this up. So let's keep going here. What's next? Seconds from disaster. Welcome back, John. Thank you. Just wanted to share that my son was born about 30 minutes before the show started. Wow. Wow. Eight pound, three ounce boy uh, named Derek. Love the show. Thanks for the daily entertainment, my friends. Well, first of all, congratulations. congratulations. Oh, that's great. To you and your partner Yay. for the birth of your son. Yay. Made sure got here on time for the John Campy show, which is very courteous of your, of your new child, which is a good way to start yeah. life. No, seriously. 
That is an amazing thing. Congratulations to you and your partner so much. And uh, hopefully that uh, your little one is healthy and uh, will have a bright, wonderful future. And you're starting them off right with the John Campia Show. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, will you guys be getting a Socks the Cat toy plush Funko Pop? Disney is going to make all the money with the figure. I Listen, I only saw 30 minutes in the movie. I hate cats. Cats are a plague. I loved that cat. I am absolutely going to, I'm going to buy a pop. I'm going to buy, <laughs> Anne's going to want plushy toys around the house. I'm definitely going to buy figures of that thing. Cause that cat was amazing. I loved it. You know, hot toys announced that they're doing a six, <laughs> they're doing a six scale buzz from light year oh, yeah, and hot. it comes with the socks. Really? So mm. they're, they're making a six scale socks. I might have to get that. All right. Yeah. What's next? From Zelda Master Seven Zero Two, when you think uh, when you think what you're about to do might be wrong, just ask yourself, WWEMD, what would Ezra Miller do? The answer is what you're doing. Stop. Yeah, uh, that's good advice. It is. I still, to me, like we've heard some dark things, but the whole the the one real what the hell are you doing moment was when I saw that social media post. You'll never find me. I'm in another universe. That's I'm like wild. You really are. Yeah, really are. I, I just don't want to, like, at some point, somebody says, what's, what is going to be gained from posting that? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is your optimal outcome from posting that? You think people are going to rally to your side of posting that? I mean, I, just, I don't get it. All right, what's next? From Ulatan, Ms. Marvel is delightful. It's a fresh perspective sprinkled with a sense of innocence and hope that is needed today, especially for jaded adults. And it's ridiculously funny. It's incredibly warm, mm -hmm. beautifully. That scene, again, not a scene that's really for me, but after meeting or having the evening out with Kamran and she comes home and she breaks into that musical number and she's dancing around. I'm just like, I love her. Yeah. I love her. I, I just, I, I love this show so much. There's so much good about this show. I, I'm just absolutely delightful in it. All right, what's next? From Ryko79, we waited 35 years for technology to catch up to our vision for Dirty Dancing 2. We needed to be able to place IMAX cameras on our dancers' feet and pelvic regions. Chaz Cruz, producer. It's time. No, by the way, there was a uh, Dirty Dancing 2. Wasn't yeah. it like Havana, Havana. Night? Yeah. Remember that? Break, like Dirty Dancing. That's the forbidden dance. But it's not about baby. This one's about baby. Wasn't that Lambada? Was it Lambada? Lombada was the, Lombada, 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 the forbidden dance. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, uh, cinematic history Boy, being made here. It was no breaking two. <laughs> it was no breaking two. All right, what's next? From Mike Joyce, anyone seen or plan on seeing Marcel the Shell? It's getting rave reviews. I can't wait. I love I'm not even familiar shell. with it. It's the Jenny Slate little shell. With shoes on, Marcel, the oh, shell yeah, with shoes yeah, on. Yeah. He just runs around and he talks like this. He's just a real small little guy. I love her. She's the best. <laughs> I think she's so wonderful. I love anything she does. But that's look up some Marcel the Shell videos. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. So right. I've seen those. They're, they're really good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. All right. What's next? From a Brian O'Neill Singleton sending in a $20 super Thank chat. You, Thank you, Brian. Brian. And Brian messaged me that there's only one part yeah. here. Uh, good to have you back, John, and feeling better. Outstanding hosting by Chris. Oh my gosh, thanks. The WB must be cursed with problematic talent. Ezra doing a disappearing act and Amber uh, being boycotted. Will WB ever get its act together? Listen, um, there is something that's just a, a reality. And I've, I've talked to other people about this too. When you're an employer, you have no control over what the people who work with you do. You, you 
if you just don't. I mean, just look at our show when John was gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah when everything <laughs> went to hell, and I'm just laying at home. Going, well, it is what it is. No, I mean that, that's the thing. I mean, so and let's not pretend that Warner Brothers has cornered the market on having talent associated with them that you know behaves badly. Yeah, it, it, it ain't. I mean, this is a this is a problem with all of them. And it's just something that's a little bit outside of your control, which is why I said like last year, I think moving forward, you're going to start seeing studios do a lot more vetting of actors they're bringing into their universes because these actors and if things come up from their past or whatever, it's going to start to affect their their stuff. So, yeah, it's not a Warner Brothers problem. It's it's the whole industry problem it really mm -hmm. is. All right. What's next? From Sam Fisher. Also, Danny DeVito for live action Phil. Yes. Live action Phil? For Hercules. He's still oh, a Oh, that's right. He's yes, yes, yes. That was, I love Danny DeVito mm -hmm. so much. All right, what's next? From Jeff Yerke, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Jeff. Hi, John and crew. Just here to support the show with me and my wife, Mrs. Yerke. Got to give big, big shouts out. The Yerke family is uh, one of the great consumers of our shows. Aw. Oh, well, they, are, they, they are great people. Well, it's always nice when people just want to write in for no other reason than to say something encouraging. Yeah. So thank you for that, man. That makes our day. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? From Andres Morin. By the way, your tad is sick. Sick oh. tat, bro. <laughs> yeah, a little. There you go. It's filth. It's actually filthy. You can't read it, but it's actually filthy. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Reviewed by Nick. Hey, guys, so I just want to say that I have no interest in the Flash movie anymore. I just can't watch it with Ezra. You know, here's the thing. I've been there. I've said that about a movie before. It's like with this, like that has tons of drama behind it. Say, ah, I'm, I'm over that movie. And then the movie comes out and I end up watching it anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but it's tough. It, it, it is tough. And as much as we like to, in theory, say we separate the art from the artist. It's easy to say in theory. But it can then be difficult to go in and watch, it's especially when it's, you know, the person who's going to be on camera more than anybody else. It's going to be a little bit challenging, but I, I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that I, that probably say, ah, like really feel right now. It's like, I think I'm over this Flash movie. Yeah, but then that last trailer comes out and we see Michael Keaton beating the shit out of some people in the Batman costume. And all of a sudden we're like, well, maybe I'll go see it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you're not alone, man. I think a lot of people are finding themselves in the same position like this mm -hmm. right now. And and we'll see how it all kind of oh, evolves from here. It'll probably eventually go to HBO Max, right? Well, eventually. If the it question does is release in theaters, it'll eventually go on HBO well, Max. Yeah, everything Warner Brothers yeah, eventually so. goes to HBO Max. You so. can't stream something that's not real, Ray. Oh. <laughs> it's still yeah. not real. You're right. No matter where you say you're putting it, it's still not real. <laughs> exactly. All right, what's next? Man, that was a... That's what she said moment, but we'll move on. <laughs> uh, then we're ending with some support from Marie, Billy D, and Fangblaze71. And then we have a few more member things, right, Ray? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. do. I do have a couple here. Let me open them up. Just give me a second. Thank you for your support, you guys. We appreciate you. Okay, I got one from Chase Scott again. He says, unfortunately, Lightyear didn't work for me and my group of six started strong, then slowly got worse with a disappointing ending. It's too bad because that first half hour is the only thing that I've seen. Good, yeah. That first half hour is so damn good. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. All right. What's next? Good. No, and he says, good voice work. Overhearing others as they walked out, the trend was negative there, too. Mm. Huh. It's funny because the cinema score is quite strong. It's yeah, got like it an A minus really. cinema score, stuff like that. So, but again, I, I, I'm going to see it tonight. I'll be able to give my thoughts on it tomorrow once I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Planted Goldies writes Do you think the Human Torch would qualify for a brand new 2013? Kia Sportage, 
with all the bells and whistles and 0% APR over 12 months. <laughs> no idea what that means. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Pontiac. All right, guys. <laughs> and then I got one from Mike Farino. I will not watch the movie in theater unless they announce beforehand Ezra is out as the Flash officially. <clears throat> officially. If they do, I will watch it, whether, whether they remove Ezra or not. But they have, have to officially announce they are done with Ezra. Well, here's the thing. They won't. And you're not going to like hearing this. It would be the wrong move to do that before the movie. Like, look, first they got to decide what they're doing with the film. If they have decided they are going to just bite the bullet, put it in theaters, mm -hmm. recoup what they can from it, and then be done with it. Yeah. If they decide to put it in theaters, they will not officially announce that they've parted ways with Ezra Miller any more than they, the same reason they didn't officially announce that Ben Affleck was no longer going to be Batman before Justice League came out. Because if you come out, hey, we got this movie coming out next week. By the way, we fired the lead actor. It's not going to be in our movies anymore. That, that kills it even more. If they decide to put it on HBO Max, then I would expect to hear an announcement before it drops on HBO Max. Yeah, that, yeah we have part of it. But if they put it in theaters, so not only do I think they won't make that announcement if they put it in theaters, it would actually be the wrong move business-wise to make that announcement before it comes in theaters. I think you'd then hear the announcement sometimes after that. And, and I got one last one from Do-Ray says a score can really have a different effect on a movie scene depending on the music it hit me when i watched doctor strange multiverse of madness you are the best crew oh well thanks so much and yeah listen the right music and the right scene in a movie can make all the difference in the world like to to that to that moment like that music that plays and to me, the greatest scene in movie history, the Vader-Luke confrontation in the, in the Emperor's throne room, that music that plays is there. Like, and that, that dramatic music kills it. Or Portals in Endgame. That's that a great music, piece of music. Yeah, that music is playing just heightens everything. You can make all the difference in the world. And he's referring to that piano scene, right? In multiple Probably. I doubt it. Was, it was... It was you think I think I doubt it. I, I think it's probably more I, of a score. That's what thing. I assumed he was talking about. Might, I don't know. Might have been. Might have been something okay. else. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved with the John Campy Show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, there is a mailbag coming a little bit later today. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. I want to thank everybody in the room with me. Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Ray Ora, producer Jonathan Voico. I'm John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>